0: Hey guys, Ray Russell back with the state of the Russell Copia Podcast Network address that goes across all of our podcasts, the entire podcast network. Monday Warfare, the battles within. Tr shocks the world. Sorry, Tom's not here, so maybe a little bit of mis- misrepresentation, but it is part of the Russell Copia Podcast Network after all. Of course, the Wrestling Memory Grenade, the Russell Copia News Network, and even the Power Hour. But before we get going, I must welcome back a very familiar voice to the Russell Copia Podcast Network. Mr. Steven Ekstad, welcome to the program, sir.
1: Thanks for having me. It's been a while.
0: (laughs) It's been quite a while, quite a while, even a while for me. Uh, So yeah, for those who may not have noticed, and I I know there's a lot of you that have noticed because a lot of questions have been coming in, where have all the shows gone? Where is Monday Warfare? Where specifically is the Wrestling Memory Grenade? Once that 1987 took over, 93 was getting some big hits near the end. But once 1987 took over, a whole new realm of, of listeners joined in. They were really enjoying it. I really got things going really detailed. They were putting over the hard work I was putting in. Believe me, guys, it was like nine. To, it was, It wasn't nine to five. It was like nine to midnight every day I was putting in to get those shows up. But lots of hard work, sound bites, all this stuff. I was really getting things going, and then boom, I got hit with a, a plethora, Steve. A plethora of things happened in my world.
1: Uh, that's no lie. I know you're yeah. going to go into a little bit of detail here, but you've had it rough, my friend.
0: Well, it all started, and I kind of announced this on an episode of the Wrestling Memory Grenade uh, for those who picked up on it. And for anybody following us on social media, you guys, especially specifically Twitter, you guys know a lot of the things. Not everything, but a lot of the things that, that started going on around, I believe it was May, and it's just continued. From there, it's snowballed and it's just continued and I keep waiting for it to end and it's just, ah, we'll get to that in a minute, but I, I just want to, you know, we go back and I, I kind of brought this up on an episode, a uh, makeshift episode of sorts. I took a Patreon watch along that me and you did and I, I believe it was March to WrestleMania nine, in fact, and I thought that was timely since I just finished up 1993 in the WWF anyway and I put that in there and I explained at the beginning of the show that a cousin of mine had passed away at 33 years old uh grew up with her uh, 5 to 7 days a week in my house or I was over their house on the weekend so more very much like a sister to me I mean it was always there we were on the clock together you know throughout all of the, the the 90s and the 2000s her first words were the tag the teams at the survivor series 90 she was I remember sitting around my lap and opening up that Texas tornado WWF magazine and pointing to every wrestler that's how pathetic I was at, at 10 11 years old but and and she's sitting there you know Dusty Rhodes Bret Hart Anvil, you know, she had a little trouble with Nikolai Volkov, but she did pretty good for, like, a two-year-old, three-year-old, whatever it was at the time. But, uh, you know, she she passed away, and was very suddenly, out of nowhere, a heart defect that was went undetected for her whole life, and then, I think it was maybe two weeks later, my grandmother, who was essentially my mother, raised me from birth, adopted me when I started school, and raised me my whole, you know, up until, I, I think I moved out around 22-ish so, yeah, but she's always been around and always been there for me to this day. Um she had an, uh, an an issue. I think I I think I mentioned this on a on a show somewhere as well, but you know, things have been all over the place since then, but uh where her arteries got cl- had clots or whatever, she lost all circulation to her legs. She had a major surgery that at nearly she's 79, she's going to be 80 this year. They didn't think she would even make it. Uh you know, through the grace of gra- God, she did. And uh, it's been a long, long road back. And uh, every time it's like, all right, now all you got to do is try to get your feet underneath you. uh She has other health issues come up. She's had pneumonia since then. She's had C. diff since then. She's had diverticulitis diagnosed since then. She's had all these things holding her and hindering her from getting better. So she has been since I announced this a couple months ago. I think it's been more than two months now. She's been in between. Hospitals and like not necessarily what I would call nursing homes, but kind of like nursing homes that are hospital equipped. They have a different name. I can't really think of what it is right now. Right now, though, she's currently in a nursing home, and within the next couple of weeks, the plan is to try to get her to move in with a family member to take care of her right now. Uh, she's okay above the waist, below the waist. She really hasn't got her legs back uh, at this point, but because of all these other health issues and things really aren't, you know, looking great. But um, so as long as we can keep her here, you know, I'm I'm down with that.
1: Absolutely, wow, that's a lot. I knew I knew there's issues going on, and we've discussed it offline and everything. But I didn't know if she's had that many diagnoses since then.
0: Yeah, know. and there, there's others too. I'm sure I'm forgetting. But it's it's been aggravating because every other day, you know, they tell us she's dying. Uh, she needs to go to hospice. Then the next day, it's like, well, we're trying to get her into the nursing home. And then the next day it's, you know, it's, it's grim again. And then the next day it's, well, you know, she's doing a little better day. So every day it changes. It's, it's why I hate to even post things because it's changing. Like I'm telling family, I stopped telling family member, members, I stopped giving them updates because it changes two, three times in a day. So whatever I told them at noon, it's already changed by 3 PM. And then I look like a liar. Like I lied to them and, and things. So it's just been. <laughs> It's been mentally and emotionally and even physically draining to deal with that. And and it didn't really stop there, though, because that initial incident with her happened on a Saturday. Well, the very next Saturday, my wife went in for a routine checkup. Of course, my wife was pregnant, for those who don't know. She's, I think, just shy of seven months, I believe it was, or something like that. And while she was there, she got diagnosed with what they call preeclampsia with severe something or other. I don't know. There's regular preeclampsia and then preeclampsia with severe, whatever the hell it is. And, um, that's what she was diagnosed with. And what that is, is you can't really control your blood pressure and it can drop so low. You can have a seizure, you can have a stroke. So they had to take her immediately to, it's pretty world renowned or at least nationally renowned. It's called rainbow babies. It's like number one, number two children's hospital in the United States. I believe uh, we just happen to live about 30, 40 minutes from it. And, uh, they basically, you stay there. You stay there till you have the baby, whether it's a day, a week, or three months, you're stuck there uh, and, you know to ensure your safety and the baby's safety. And so, so this was like seven days after what happened to my grandmother happened. This happens to my wife out of the blue. She calls me from the hospital crying, I can't come home. I have to get an ambulance to take me to Rainbow Babies. And so now we begin this journey. And ideally, they didn't want the baby to be born for at least a week. Uh, unfortunately that lasted about three or f- three days, I think, before he had to be born. Premature, obviously a couple months premature, but um, am happy to say, you know, today he's healthy. He's normal. He's growing like weeds. He's uh, awesome. Uh, he was in there for a few, you know, I think something like three weeks or something like that, uh, before they let us bring him home, just made sure that he could take a bottle and things like that, but he's okay. And yeah, even my wife had to stay in there for a little while afterwards. So it's just been really crazy times for people. To, uh, sending me messages dming me and, and writing me things online. I know you guys followed some of that, but some of it I didn't really, you know, mention at the time and I've had people that, you know, very polite and understanding and I've had a few people that, you know, my show means more to them than my my personal life. And unfortunately, guys, uh, you yeah, know, that's just that's unfair. <laughs> sorry for you. Um I mean, maybe if you wanted to pay me, I could I could, you know, work a little harder, but uh, you know, other than that, yeah, wow. I just, yeah, I had too much, too much going on on my plate for those who don't know. So I lost my cousin. I kind of, you know, tried to just keep moving through that. She would want me to. She was a huge wrestling fan and, uh, you know, everything like that. So it's kind of a, it was sad, but it was like, I, I felt like I kind of, I could keep going because I was doing it for her or she was listening or something like that. But then with my grandma, I still, you know, she was, as long as they were taking care of her, I was like, all right, here we go. I'm going to try to, I'm going to do, you know, get back, record some shows again. And then boom, then my wife's in the hospital with the baby. It's just setback after setback after setback. And then, like I said, from there, after several weeks, the baby's home. We're trying to raise a preemie, and he's eating every couple hours or whatever the case may be. And on top of that, you know, I'm, it's something different with my grandmother every day. They're moving her from here. They're moving her from there. Some places are 10 minutes away. Some places are 40 minutes away. Uh, you know, like I said, it's been just nuts, chaos.
1: Yeah, it definitely has. I know you mentioned when I asked you about your grandma, it changes by the minute. So yeah, I think yeah. we've had this podcast being scheduled to be recorded for like three weeks now and this has never worked out because it seems like every day something happens so i'm glad we were finally able to sit down and talk a little bit and explain to everybody what's going on so i've been thinking about you man i've been checking in i try to give you your space but also i kind of i'm interested in knowing how things are going so it's uh, i know how it's been for you and it's it's been rough but here we are
0: yeah, it's just it's a it's not one specific issue ongoing with me, it's just everything going at the same time. It's like
1: snowball turned into John <laughs> Tinsley man, the avalanche. The avalanche.
0: <laughs> it's not a fish, he's not a shark. He's an avalanche. Man. Yeah, well, okay, he's he's that too, I suppose. He was a man, good old John Tenta. But anyways, guys, we're here. We're recording a show. This is not just a woe is me, Ray Russell episode of the grenade of the Money Warfare, whatever you listen to this on, the state of the WrestleCopia podcast network. What this is, is we're going to explain what's going on coming up here on the WrestleCopia podcast network, and then we're going to move into some various topics, topics you might normally hear me cover with Tom Robinson on the TR show, timely topics of the time right now. In 2022, we're going to talk Vince McMahon's retirement and and what that means to to uh, us, and and what what it could mean for the future. We're going to talk. I'm going to talk at least about Crazy Tony Khan. We're going to talk about a few other Ric Flair's last match and all this stuff going in. I have I have some maybe. Well, it depends on if you're a fan of the the Conrad podcast or not. Maybe maybe some favorable reviews for you. Maybe some not so favorable reviews for my personal opinion on the whole whole damn situation there. That Ric Flair's last match. So much more. I got a, a few other things jotted down here. So we'll get rolling with the show. I just wanted you guys to know what was going on. And you have to, you have to ask, well, can we depend on you? Because I was putting out shows week after week after week. I, I didn't skip a week. I had to show out every week, no matter what the situation. And you guys got to understand, I would spend a day cutting out insert promos, cutting out sound bites that I thought were funny for the show, jotting down ideas for, for bits of the comedy you guys listen to on the show and all this other stuff. I could spend an entire day per week doing that. And then I spend a day grabbing some segments, throwing them up on our YouTube account, youtube.com slash wrestling grenade. Really good stuff there already from 1987. I actually just threw up just for the fun of it as well. Just the other day, a a Dusty Rhodes versus Kevin Sullivan from Florida in the steel cage loser leaves town when uh, old Santa Jake, Jake the Snake Roberts in a Santa costume, uh, shows up and costs old Dusty the Batch. That was good stuff. Uh, Old school. I really love that stuff. But uh, yeah, there's all kinds of good stuff up there on our YouTube account. So go check that out. But I was cutting all of that out, editing that, popping, popping that up on YouTube. That was taking, you know, half of a day. I was watching all the footage. That takes tremendous time taking the notes and, and all this other stuff, researching things. So by the time I record, I don't think anybody realizes I've spent the entire week working on it. There's not a day where I just take a day off. If I did, I, the show would be half-assed and this show will never be half-assed. That's one thing I can promise you guys. When I don't have time to do a certain portion of the show, I just can't put the show out. So I'm getting back into it. We're, we're sliding back into things here, Steve, and I can't wait to get back to doing Monday Warfare, posting those shows, doing the grenade. I'll be in February of '87. We're still just getting to WrestleMania Three. I can't wait. We're going to see if what happens between Hulk Hogan and Andre, the Giant heading into that big pay-per-view in the uh, Silver Dome. But uh you know before we get to all of that I just wanted to let everybody know what's going on and yes if this was a normal job for me and I do I take this show seriously I want to be clear about something this is not a side project a a pet project or a fun time for me yeah I'm having fun when I'm doing it I'm learning things that I I never saw and I'm laughing my ass off when I'm listening to some of these old time promos and things so I'm having a great time when I'm doing it don't get me wrong I'm not saying I'm not having fun but I'm not doing this for fun I'm doing this to make something out of this. I believe in myself, I believe in this show, I believe in my knowledge and my wit and everything that goes along with it, and I believe this can be something and by doing that you have to put something out consistently. And had I been on a payroll, had I already be a multi-millionaire, not going to name any names, then I you know I can afford to put shows on no matter what because it's my livelihood, it's it's paying the bills here and it's feeding my family. Unfortunately right now we don't have that situation. I just live through Patreon, of course, Patreon, you, the, the patrons out there, I love you guys so very much. The guys that have stuck with me speci- specifically, but not just you guys, all of you. I understand if you guys took a month or two off from Patreon because there hasn't been a lot of content going up on the Patreon, but I'm here to tell you it's, it's going to be back here this month, here in August, patreon.com slash wrestlecopia. But there's been a lot of great supporters there that have helped me and you guys are paying the bills, literally paying our bills for the shows. You've paid for the new, the renewing of the domain name. For another year, you're paying for my software equipment that I can use. So you guys are actually helping me a ton by fronting me essentially money for the content, the extra content that I create. And I appreciate you guys. And I just appreciate that you appreciate me and you think that the stuff that I put out there is worth just even five dollars a month. To me, is pretty badass.
1: That's awesome. I, I can't I can't see everything behind the scenes that you do, but I've seen your notes and I know just from looking at it. Like I have my notes. It's basically just like how the match went more than anything. But then I look at yours and it's, it's almost like a script and that takes hours to do. It's not just watching the footage, but it's how you want to present the show with the notes that you're putting down. So that's mainly what I see from behind the scenes work. That's incredible in itself. I'm sure, I think there's a tier with Patreon that you could see these notes. So I'm sure others have those out there, but I'm always fascinated when I'm, when I'm recording with you to kind of see your notes and, See how you process things. And if you're taking that much time and dedication and just your notes, I mean, you could just, you just know everybody knows how much effort you put into it. So, um, no, nah, man, it's, it's a learning experience and I appreciate all the work you put into it. I know I've been off the air, so to speak, for quite a while uh, when it comes to the grenade, but I always enjoyed and appreciated the time, effort and energy that you put into these things because, uh, it takes a lot of work. And if you want to be successful at it you got the right mindset and determination to make it happen. So I'm just along for the ride.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I appreciate, you know, and our listeners are along. you know, a lot of our listeners have been here forever now and they're they're along for the ride too. And I appreciate Steve, when you have time to record a show, I appreciate anybody who listens to the show, who goes back and, you know, I've seen a few guys recently go back and download all the shows and start listening to them again. They're like, Oh man, this is great, man. It's like, I'm, I'm reliving everything again for the first time. I forgot this. I forgot that. So uh, it's kind of catching back on. It's like guys that missed some of 1989. Now they're going back and listen to that while I've been off the air. So it kind of worked out a little bit anyway for some of the listeners who went back and kind of caught up on things they might have missed. But we're here now to get you guys back on track, get myself back on track here with all of our shows. I, I, that's the point Over. of this. That's the point of this episode is it's just I'm coming to you guys. Ray Russell sitting in front of his computer. Letting you guys know what's going on. I'm I'm shooting with you guys um wide open. So I, I wish I could, could just take calls and shit while we're doing this, but it is what it is. And I do have an Ask Us Anything episode coming up soon as well. So we'll we'll hit on that before we finish this episode. But just once again, thank you to the listeners, specifically the patrons. You guys are awesome. You guys have really helped pay the bills for the WrestleCopia podcast network to keep it going. Uh, we got a couple big bills coming up here uh next month. I gotta pay our podcast host for another year as well so uh if you can if you can afford to please stick with us here and i appreciate you know your support up until this point as well before we get moving i guess i'll just really quickly run down our social media accounts steve of course you guys already mentioned youtube youtube.com slash wrestling grenade lots of fun stuff up there 1989 nwa 1993 wwf the uswa versus wwf crossover feud uh, Some 1987 goodness from the early part of the uh, really cool promo. I don't know about cool, but really bizarro world promo. We get uh, Outback Jack arrives in the WWF and one of his very first promos, localized promo, is alongside one of the British Bulldogs, Davy Boy Smith. So totally weird to see one of the Bulldogs and Outback Jack in there at the same time.
1: Yeah, that was probably before everything happened right
0: <laughs> well you would you would hope so you would hope they didn't rib him on the yeah. uh, very first day in but still you know knowing what you know they probably did uh, very weird they probably did. still very weird sight to see <laughs> what, uh, what's gonna happen yeah if if old outback, old outback only knew yeah good old outback can't wait to start watching this man. he debuts on the first week of february can't wait to get to that on the wrestling memory grenade outback jack in the ring But before we get there, we got to get through this, and we got a whole bunch to get through, Steve. So we'll continue on. I'll talk to you guys about following us and liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash wrestling grenade. Everything I post on Twitter is essentially post on Facebook. Actually, you'll get even longer videos on Facebook because they don't really limit the length of the video like Twitter does to minutes, two minutes and 20 seconds. So, good place to go if you're on Facebook, facebook.com slash grenade. Word must be getting out because uh, before I've had to kind of solicit myself on Facebook, hey guys, come check this out. And lately we've been getting new followers each and every day without even, I'm not even going on there and doing anything. So, things are starting to catch on over there on Facebook. And of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention our Twitter account, the original one, the OG at wrestling grenade on Twitter. You guys can follow us there. That's at R A S S L I N Grenade home of the free prize giveaways.
1: Got some of those coming up too.
0: Yeah, I do. We got a big one coming up for our WrestleMania three show or Ricky, the dragon, Steamboat autographed intercontinental title champion, holding a belt pal. Vince McMahon's not in charge anymore. I can call it a belt steamboat <laughs> is I see champion autograph promo pick. And I'm going to also be giving away an, a honky tonk man autograph promo pick coming up here very soon on the grenade as well. Nice.
1: Very nice.
0: So, Everybody's wondering, when are all of the shows going to return? Well, some of them are going to return essentially almost immediately, and some of them might take a few weeks, but they're all going to be back very, very soon. In fact, the next episode you hear of The Grenade is going to, once again, slowly get us back into the Grenade script of things, the 1987 and the WWF things. Next episode, I'm going to do a little Ask Us Anything. Now, Tom Robinson, good old TR, at TR Shock on Twitter, he'd be upset if I didn't promote his plug shit him. yeah plug his <laughs> shit but but uh good old tom robinson asked to be part of that episode now will he i can't say for sure I'll, I'll do my best to get tom involved but again it's gonna have to be on my schedule my time of day so we'll have to see how that shakes out but yeah we'll, we'll do our best to get you involved tom i'd love to hear your answers a lot of good questions about old school stuff tom would be great for those answers as well and there's always a couple of tr questions coming in at me so uh, but, yeah, that's enough about Tom. This is uh, this is about the <laughs> WrestleCopia Podcast Network. So I'll talk to you soon, Tom. we well, to somebody to fill in. Right, right. Uh, I, I got you. In. I don't know if you want to fill in, Steve. If you had to answer the questions that are sent to you, I don't know if you want to do that on air.
1: My questions or <laughs> yeah. Tom's questions?
0: Your questions.
1: <laughs> oh, do I get bad ones? I don't know.
0: Well, <laughs> well, I, just, well, I don't know if that's we're discussing right now on air.
1: go for it, man.
0: Not everybody's a fan of you, Steve. There's there's a few detractors.
1: Oh, great. Well, I love you all. uh... (laughs) It's okay.
0: So, but anyways, yeah, so here's where we stand on all of our shows. The Grenade will return with an Ask Us Anything in the next week or two. Then we should be back full time, hopefully again, barring any setbacks with my grandmother. I know the situation at this point. It really can't change a whole lot between now and then. And anything moving forward, we're kind of set for where we're at right now uh, with what happens next there. So I should be back up and running with the grenade here in the next week or two. depends on how fast I can get the Ask Us anything together. After that, it's right back to the WWF in 1987. Monday Warfare, The Battles Within, I I know we're going to be back with that in a couple of weeks too, Steve. I know you're wanting to hang around for the Monday Warfare shows. Uh, They're not quite as tedious to uh, take notes on and, and work through throughout the course of a week.
1: Yeah. I'll be on those shows. Uh,
0: so Looking we'll have, forward to it. yeah, we'll have Steve back on Monday warfare, at least uh, most of the time I would say anyway. Um, so that should yeah. be back up again here as well in the next couple of weeks. Again, those are, I won't say they're easy uh, because I still got to sit here and take all the notes and do the shows and edit the shows and all that stuff. They're not easy, but they're easier, much easier than the grenade. So those shows, no problem getting those back out there. Looking forward to that. Also looking forward to Patreon, patreon.com slash Of course, the $5 all-access tier, that is where it's at, guys. Lots of tiers over there, more than a dozen tiers, and I'm shuffling things around to see if I can get you guys even more content for your buck. So even though there's already five gifts for the $5 all-access tier, I'm going to see what else I can do. I got some great ideas, to be honest with you, including a uh, watch-along, but I have a watch-along idea planned where we can actually video watch myself and and whoever wants to join me or or whatnot as we discuss old-time wrestling videos and we'll do that there also as part of the patreon moving forward but of course you guys can also get all of our insanely detailed show notes for both monday warfare and the wrestling memory grenade over there early access to many of the podcasts and so much more including the patreon exclusive watch along series covering tons of WWF and WCW pay-per-views, Clash of the Champions, Saturday Night's Main Event, so much more over once again at patreon.com/wrestlecopian. Steve, once again, you're always welcome to join me on Patreon for any shows we do over there.
1: Yeah, I'll be there. Right. I know we want to we, we like to do our pay-per-views to go with our Monday Warfare show, so we'll be, we'll be picking those back up for sure.
0: Yes, excellent additional pieces, i got to say, uh, covering the pay-per-views, doing watch-alongs of all the pay-per-views that coincide throughout the Monday Night War. So uh, we go back, we say we uh, December of 95, yes, we covered Starcade and we covered the In Your House, uh, I believe that was In Your House 5, with Brett and the Bulldogs. So yeah, they're both up there, and so is everything else, I believe, into the spring so far of 1996. We're uh, WrestleMania time, I believe, WrestleMania season we're at here in WWF World. And uh, over in WCW, I know we've done the uh, crazy nonsense cage match at Uncensored, so we've moved past that, at least thus far here in 1996, as far as, far as Patreon goes in the pay-per-views.
1: Yeah, I think we got that terrible slamboree, and Wrestlemania uh, 12. wrestling that. at 12.
0: Yeah, lots, of, <laughs> lots of fun stuff upcoming here. Coming Can't up. wait. Yes, and King of so, the rain. Great time to join. And remember, there are tiers over at Patreon, but there's also a limit of users that can join each tier. So you want to jump on right now, especially that $5 all-access tier, because it's going to get you the watch-along series, everything on every tier underneath it, and an upcoming new exclusive video series where we're going to kind of watch along with it. You can watch along with us as uh, we actually play a video. You guys can actually watch the video with us as we're watching it and kind of look look at the faces I'm making, some of the nonsense, and uh, yeah, we can just tell the story as we go along as well. Good times reminiscing about old school wrestling. Hey, I'll, you know what? I'll let the cat out of the bag. Now. One of the ideas I have planned is I'd like to throw in a, a primetime wrestling series where I kind of just start since I'm doing 87 in the WWF anyway, just tossing up, watching along the primetime episodes throughout 1987, whether it's every episode or just some of the select episodes, I'd like to do that. And uh, with one rule, every time Bobby and gorilla uh, pop on the screen, we shut up. doesn't matter what we're talking about. We just shut up. We listen to Bobby and gorilla. (laughs)
1: That's the only rule you really need for
0: prime time. <laughs> That's it. That's it right there. Uh, well, that concludes the first half of this episode of the state of the Russell Copia podcast network. So we move along to the second half of the show, which is just, we're going to touch base on some of the ongoing things here in the world of professional wrestling in the summer of 2022 and where to start. But well, at the top, I suppose the retirement of, well, the forced retirement of Vince McMahon. Now, for those who don't know, everything going on behind the scenes i'm not going to run all that down again I'm, for those who do know you've you've read it ad nauseum for for those who don't know you're probably not listening to this show but uh yeah so vince is gone he's out uh so they say anyway so vince out of the picture who thought that would ever happen before he died i didn't
1: me either some people you know thought that he would just live forever with his mother living to like 104 there's people were thinking he has 30 more years left running the show It came a little earlier than anyone anticipated.
0: Well, he's looked like the crib keeper now for a few years, but then then you see the videos of him, you know, squatting nine thousand pounds in the gym at two a.m., and you go, I don't know, something something's not right about this guy.
1: (laughs) Definitely not. He's a vampire.
0: Yeah. So it's it's tit for tat, but I I can't believe it. He's finally out, and uh, you know, I hate to say it because he's done so much good for the business over the years, and yes, yes, AEW fans, he did do a lot of good. I love, I love people trying to rewrite history that Vince, you know, ran all the other territories out of business and he killed the wrestling business. And maybe in some ways, you know, he certainly helped, you know, push that along with the sports entertainment aspect of it, but he didn't kill the territories guys by going national. Everybody was trying to go. Well, not everybody, but several people attempted to go national. Vince McMahon succeeded period. Yeah. TBS was cable before Vince ever got on cable. Georgia championship wrestling was national. Intentionally or not, prior to that, uh, the world class was national, international. They didn't even know it till years later. But they they were international, getting bootleg pirated over there, uh, wherever that was. Uh, not not Saudi Arabia, but one of the, wherever they were over there. They were like gods over there, and they didn't even realize it.
1: Wow, it's insane.
0: Yeah, it's crazy to think that. But you know, it's um, it's funny. You know, a lot of the territories, a lot of those old promoters, they were just wanting out. They were done. They didn't want to try new things. They didn't want to get involved into cable or go national they were freaking 70 years old they were done much like vince's dad you know vince vince bought it out from underneath his father and uh the rest was history uh, you know you, you know what's happened over the last 40 years we've lived it all from hulkamania to stone cold stone cold steve austin trash and everything in between you know so uh, unfortunately i had to live through the john cena era era no no offense to john <laughs> cena and and the human being he's become or at least a really great actor of a human being that he's become you know in later life but I wasn't a fan of John Cena the wrestler, so that wasn't very fun for me all those years. But still, you know, we lived through the Attitude Era and all, all this. Other, lots of different, and 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 even though everything wasn't great, there was lots of good things over the years. Lots of memorable things, certainly over the course of the last forty years. Oh yeah. Maybe not so much recently in the last say ten years, but hey, whatever.
1: I think Cornette had a really good explanation, uh, the, the way he explained it. I know he kind of blamed him on killing the territories and exposing wrestling and taking away what Cornette loves about wrestling, but he also, you know, factored in the positive things that he did as well. I guess you don't take the you can't just take the good without the bad. I mean, nobody's perfect. You know, when when you take out your competition and you're the only circus in town, really, why put your foot on the gas and do everything that you need to do to be absolutely successful? Uh, They're making more money now than they ever have, but the audience is as small as it's probably ever been in a long time. So who's to say that's right or wrong? I don't know. It's interesting. Like, I'm not going to talk about what he did. I know that everybody knows what's happened. If you're listening to this show, you know what happened to Vince McMahon, but I don't know. You just, you don't have anything without Vince McMahon. Somebody else probably would have done it, but we don't know for sure how successful that would have been. Uh, It takes a certain mentality to do what is considered the impossible. And it seems like Vince McMahon had that that personality. He was ruthless. He didn't care. He's going to take whatever he wanted and he got whatever he wanted. And that's the type of person you need to be successful. You can look at anybody that's successful in this world and they all have those same characteristics. Some are worse than others, but for the most part, that's what they do. They step on people to get to the top. That's what Vince had to do. He did it. He won. Hopefully he's somewhere sipping some alcohol and enjoying the beach, but that's not Vince McMahon. So who knows what he's doing? Yeah, I think
0: he, I think he said he. T- they told that story where he's he's told several wrestlers he's only taken one vacation in his life, and he was restless and and so he actually that was when he came up with the idea for WrestleMania One was when he was on vacation, uh, the well, one and only time he was on vacation. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's what I mean, they said. They that told that him, "Why idea? don't you take another vacation?" Yeah, there you go.
1: But it's so crazy too. Like this year, you know, he was on the Pat McAfee show and he showed a different side of himself. And I, to me, like it felt like he was actually showing a different side of him to maybe get some sympathy on him. Uh, you just looked at him in a different light because he's never really done a open type conversation like that.
0: You yeah. Know, but, you know, normally but, but at, but at the end of the day, with, uh, at the end of the day, this is still a guy who yells in people's ear the entire time because they're not speaking exactly the way he wants them to, which I don't know when that started because that wasn't always the case for one. He used to be an announcer himself, and And then, beyond right. that he was he was an on camera personality for so long, and he was so involved in the shows there's no way he was sitting there feeding lines throughout the show, so I don't really know when that transferred over. Obviously, it was a long while ago because I remember hearing about him doing it to Taz and things like that, so that goes back quite a while. but yeah, I don't know when that took over and what was the need for that uh It's just the control thing, and then you can't. Don't say belt, pal, and don't say hospital. It's a medical facility and all that horse shit. I'm glad that's gone to some degree. Anyway, I have to imagine it's gone to some yeah. degree. I've, I've heard Michael Cole, and I'm sure he's doing it tongue-in-cheek for the for the marks, but I, I've heard him yeah. make a couple of remarks like, Oh, this feels great being able to say whatever I want, or maybe something along those lines. He's, I've already heard him say that a couple times. So. It, it's... Yeah, he's
1: mentioned fans a few times and stuff like that, instead of the universe, so... I was just saying, like, my point was just felt like I know, without looking at how he ran his business or what he did in his business, you kind of seen a guy that was kind of opening himself up and you kind of you got an inside look at how the man thinks. Sure. And sure. Me personally, like I appreciated him more after I listened to it just because he's like, people don't know me. They don't know how I treat people or what I do to people. And they just assume I'm an asshole because of the things that they read on the Internet. So he's like, if you think I'm an asshole, then I can I'm an asshole. They even made a T-shirt out of it. But right. uh, to me, like that, I, I would much rather have somebody running a business for me that had that sort of mentality of screw everybody that's not involved in the company. Can't worry about what people are thinking. If you're if it's working, and your your TV providers are happy with what you're doing, and they're getting numbers that, they, they that are okay to them, that's all that matters. And your stockholders are okay. Really, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. You got to print money, and that's all Vince cared about. Well, me, yeah,
0: like, especially in today's day and age. Like, uh, if you, if you worried about what everybody said about you on social media, you just you exactly. just might, as, might as well just fold up and go home. Because exactly. you know, it's like I see it every day. Every day, I see someone shitting on somebody for something they said that offended them, and then I go on the person that's offended's page, and they're saying five other offensive things to five other people. It's just everything's contradictory to everything. And that's why I don't take anybody on social media seriously unless I I get to know them and I respect them. If it's just a random person I don't know and they're saying all this nonsense to me, I'll typically, if I have time and I actually think that maybe they matter, I might click on their account look at a couple of things they posted nine times out of ten, they're nutcases. So, you know, it's like they said, when, <laughs> when, you're, when you're poor or even, say, middle class, you're, you're considered crazy. But when you're a billionaire like Vince McMahon, you're just eccentric. And uh, Vince McMahon's yeah. certainly eccentric.
1: Absolutely. The standards are different. So the crazy part is is, is um, I have a friend up in Canada, and I think it was the same day or the day before we were talking. And he, he has a weird philosophy or a weird way of thinking about things. I wouldn't say he's a mark per se, but he just thinks differently than I do uh, when it comes to how he processes people. But so he, he talks a lot, like, Oh, what's it going to be like when Hulk Hogan dies or what's WWE going to be like if Hogan or Vince is gone? And I'm like, bro, Hogan's been gone out of the company for years. It ain't, it ain't going to matter when he dies. When it, as far as the business goes, Right. but he's like Vince, man, like what happens if Vince leaves? Like that's going to be weird. And then the very next day he announced his retirement. I'm like, Hey, good timing, buddy. So we actually got to talk about it and now we're living it. I thought initially, like, it's going to be a good thing if he was really gone and, you know, if right people get put into place uh, to run things. Uh, I didn't see the Triple H stuff coming, but it makes sense. I think people are going to be excited. I mean, clearly, Raw pulled in 2 million viewers for the first time in two years because they knew Triple H was running the show. So they're looking for something different.
0: Yeah, too bad yeah, it was in Houston. No offense to Houston, I always liked the city, <laughs> but those fans, man, what the fuck yeah, were you I've, guys I've on? Seen
1: a lot of seen a lot of negativity about the fans there, but I, I
0: mean, that's it, the first RAW be- I've tried to watch, and fucking probably I don't even know when, and maybe right. since like the first RAW after COVID or something when I wanted to see what it was like to have no fans in there. I don't, I don't even know. Like I've seen bits and pieces of Raws, you know, over over the course of the last couple of years, but. That was probably the first draw that I turned on when it was coming on, specifically to try to watch it, and the crowd killed it for me. I don't know how good the show was because yeah. I was sitting there watching it, and it was hard to get into, and no offense to anybody on the show. It was—it seemed like fresh ideas, maybe a little too much of certain people throughout the show, but at least it was episodic. They kept trying to tell a story throughout the show like they used to do 20 years ago, mm-hmm. but yeah. that crowd killed it for me. I'm sitting there watching guys that should be getting big pops on the hot tags or the comebacks, and there's no noise. And I- I'm like, this guy should be over. I think, you know. It's like, I don't watch this product anymore, so it's hard for me to say. I watch the pay per views and those damn eight, 80 minute video packages for each match. You know, it's like I, I got an idea of what's, you know, the reason behind all the matches. So I'm not completely out of the loop. But as far as sitting there watching the matches every week, the reason I don't is because I read Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus 75 times in a row. I don't want to, I don't want to see that match once, much less 75 times. <laughs>
1: Hey man, those two beat the shit out of each other. So, I can't. Hey man, uh,
0: Ronnie Garvin and Greg Valentine I, beat the shit out of each other. But you know, you you, you go online game. and you read you read all the you know the people that do the reviews of that you know they, on Royal Rumble ninety and they never give them any credit for beating the shit out of each other. But you guys go watch that match. They chop the living fuck out of each other for twenty minutes. I
1: love that match. I love that match. I love the shit out of that match because they literally beat the shit out of each other. They're laying them in and they don't care. And, yeah, to me, I, I appreciate that. And I seen like I seen the video clip from SummerSlam when they were showing Drew and Sheamus. I didn't get a chance to watch it, but
2: uh-huh.
1: they beat the living shit out of each other. Sheamus' chest was all red, and Drew looked like he went through hell and back. And I appreciate that from people. I mean, they're giving it everything they have, and I, I I just enjoy that. I mean, it can't be it may not be the greatest match, but when you can see the effort and they're buddies, they're best friends, so they of course they're gonna beat the shit out of each other. It's kind of like Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn, so um, I didn't mind it. But I can see—I'm just glad that kind of Vince is gone to where we're not getting these rematches. Uh, I think the report came out afterwards where they said he just likes a certain match and it's good. And he, but he forgets he's booked it ten times already. Yeah, I was—I was just gonna like, say
0: that I, I read that it. too, where uh, at some point yeah, just a, a week or two before SummerSlam, Vince had realized. That every match, almost every match at SummerSlam was a rematch from Royal Rumble or WrestleMania, and he didn't know that when he booked them. So then he got mad that the card was just a bunch of rematches that he booked because he didn't realize the matches already fucking happened. And I don't know that that's necessarily like a, a, a like a mind thing, like where Vince's mind is going, which it may very well be, but it's like there's just so much content. I couldn't tell you, you know. It's like me and my brother do this all the time. Who won Royal Rumble this year? Like we don't fucking. It, it, it doesn't stay in our memory banks like it did when we were kids. When I could tell you like every match at WrestleMania seven in order. Now I can't tell mm-hmm. you two matches that happened at WrestleMania period. You know what I mean? So it's just a different yeah, world.
1: Yeah. Anything after like, I used to, I, I used to be proud because I could say all the main events, like with ease. Uh, now it's like, I get to WrestleMania probably 24 or 25 maybe. And I, I have no clue after that. And the only reason I know 23 and 24 is because I was there. I I mean, I I don't know if I can tell you twenty five. Was that Triple H and Orton?
0: Dude, you got me by many years. So you're asking the wrong person. I get I get lost <laughs> way before Shawn
1: the.
0: I can't I make Shawn it to the twenties, buddy.
1: Sean and Taker was right before the main event, and then I think Triple H and Orton came out, and they were trying to do each other's finisher within the first two minutes, and they totally killed the match. They had to follow Sean and Taker, and then they yeah, did poor, that. poor
0: Triple H. H. How many times did he have to like follow shit that he shouldn't have followed? I know right? Rock and Hogan. I know, right? Every
1: time he got a main event, it seemed like he had to follow something that was
0: great. Yeah, so you mentioned Triple H just now, and you kind of mentioned him a little bit ago. So he comes back out of nowhere, out of left field, right? So, like, he got sent home packing from NXT last fall because he's not doing well. And hey, Stephanie got shit canned too, whether you want to admit it or not. They want to pretend like, you know, oh, she's going home to, you know, spend more time with her family. Then why the fuck is she back right now? You know, I don't don't buy that for a fucking minute. In Triple H, man, you know. God bless him and kudos to him. I mean, he's got, you know, I read what Freddie Prin- Prince jr. Just recently said, though, he said, make no mistake about it at the end of the day. And I kind of get this uh, out of triple H because he comes off very professional. He gets it, but we got to remember all of the horse shit that he did all those years. Even when he was with Stephanie, remember like all the people he sabotaged, all the people he put down, remember what they did to Chris masters. Like, oh, what are you going to teach us how to lose 70 pounds in two weeks or whatever the, you know, just shit all over all these guys, these things that he's done. And then Freddie Prince Jr. goes online, and says, "Make no mistake about it, Triple H is petty, Betty. He's petty. He he will hold mm. grudges. You know those grudges he mended with Vince and Bruno and Vince and Warrior and things like that. But but Triple H has his own grudges that you know you don't know where they are, where they stand right now.
1: You just hope he could put all that shit to the side and realize that he's in a he's in a huge position of power that can really extend well beyond anything he could have imagined. So I mean, I." Vince did that shit and Triple H kind of got in his ear to remove some of those things like like you said with Bruno and Warrior and stuff like that so hopefully that he's in this position I mean a lot of the people that you know that left NXT and got fired they're Triple H guys you're one of his guys and you probably don't have anything to worry about but hopefully you can look big picture and realize those were the days of the old it's time to move past all that stupid shit and move on and you know treat people the way they should be treated. If you're overusing it, they're not try to get them over. And then if they can't move on, I mean, it, it, that's how it should be. It should be a business.
0: Yeah. And um, so for the three people living in Boise that don't know what we're talking about here, uh, since Vince has stepped down, all of Vince's title job titles have went to, you know, other people CEO gets split between Nick con and Stephanie McMahon. They're both taking parts and uh, different parts in the CEO of the company. Co CEOs. I don't know how that works, but it is what it is. Even though the, Stephanie, Wasn't getting the job done just a few months ago. Now, all of a sudden, she slides right into a co-CEO position. And then (laughs) Triple H takes over not just uh, the creative, Vince's uh, head of creative, but Triple H also takes over the talent relations once again, which was John Laurinaitis. Of course, he's gone. Hey, that's not fair. (laughs) But we know Johnny's Johnny's probably somewhere sucking Shane's dick, but that's for another day and another time.
1: Trying to anyway.
0: Hey, Shane. But uh yeah maybe maybe we'll see the resurgent of the dynamic dude Johnny Ace on the Indies, who knows, so Ace is out. you have to wonder if he's even with the Bella's mom anymore. I don't know this this whole thing i, to, to, yeah. I don't God. I don't keep up with that, that. that relationship? <laughs> well, if it's anything like the Bella's, I'm sure she's just hanging around for the paychecks, man. That's yes. my opinion on it anyway. But uh, yeah, so Ace is out his talent relations. So Triple H, who has this heart condition, or whatever they call it, that medical term they're calling it, the, the heart, whatever the hell. But then he has the, not the pacemaker, but maybe, is it a defibrillator or something? He has something in his chest. So that's not good. I'm not a doctor, but that's not good, Steve, when you have something fucking, you know, implanted inside your body to, to reassure your heart works properly. At, you know, 50-some years of age, I, I believe I believe he's in his 50s. But you know, years and years and years of steroids, you know, I don't care what anybody says. I, I yeah, I didn't test them, but I've seen seen them. You know, I just I, my son just recently watched him do his big comeback every his quad when he was about like, you know, four feet wide.
1: You know what Scott Steiner said, I'll take a test if he does with me. Yeah. <laughs> so he definitely was on that stuff. He may have been off it for quite a while. Yeah, there's
0: times where he was and wasn't, but there you know, was a lot of time where he was you know, he dropped- you,
1: like eight pack abs and shit like he was before. I think he's just doing what he can to maintain what he had, but, no, but it's definitely not good having any sort of thing just, in
0: your heart. So here you are at 50-some years of age. You have a, a serious heart condition, and now you're head of a billion-dollar wrestling industry, not it's just not just party. talent. Yeah, yeah, not just, well, besides CEO, you're head of talent relations and you're head of creative. And head of creative yeah. sounds fun. And, I mean, it, it, really, if you take it Right, it can be, but like Eric Bischoff has uh, recently said, he said that's a twenty-four hour a day job, head of uh, head of uh, creative. That's not just uh you come in, you put in a few hours, and you come up with some ideas and you go home. It's a twenty-four hour a day thing, and I and I believe that certainly, especially with Raw and SmackDown, and Triple H has already reports he wants to try to get Raw to go back to two hours. Well, I'm sure Vince wanted that too for quite a, a while, but that's USA's decision at the end of the day. But Triple H is in a lot of power. And I'm not yeah. saying that like, and, and I don't even really care necessarily for Triple H to, as a businessman, but I think he can help in, in creative. I'm fine with that. I think he's knows enough to step back and let announcers yeah. announce, give them the bullet points, and let them do their thing. I'm sure Michael Cole's been there since 1997. I think he can handle it on his own.
1: You know, so right. yeah, you'd hope.
0: So I, yeah, I, I think there's going to be a lot of good. I think there's going to be mm-hmm. some things that don't change at all. You know, I I think Vince has still got a little bit of, you know, he's probably making some phone calls and having some conversations. People are like, oh, Vince is still running it. you got to be out of your fucking mind. Vince can't be there. Vince Russo is full
1: of shit,
0: Yeah, well, bro, bro, don't get me (laughs) started, bro. bro. (laughs) Vince Russo is full of shit. Stupid on a pole, man. That's what Vince Russo is. Yeah. So... But like Vince, Vince McMahon is not running. I got to separate my Vince's no here. Mc, Vince is, McMahon is not running the show because what does he do, Steve? As the show begins, he rips up the fucking script and makes you book shit as the, the show's block. going on. Yeah, right. He's not there to do that. They have a script. It's starting. Uh, can they change something mid mid show? Sure. If they go, what if we did this instead? Or this is probably better if we move this over here. Or, Let's wait and do this match like they did with the Riddle Rollins, man, whatever the idea was behind that. Taking that off of SummerSlam, I don't really know what the story is there, but you you change something that's, you know, that I get it. You changed Mm -hmm. your mind, but the entire show's not rewritten. People know what they're going to do. I know at five o'clock what I need to talk about at nine o'clock. So I have all these hours to come up with something good. And now I get to say it in my own words instead of Vince's nonsensical fucking storybook world words that, you know, he comes up with and, and everything sounds it's, it's organic you know what I mean now? Instead of Vince's, yeah. uh, you know, and everybody talks the same is, is another problem. And some of these guys, no yeah. offense to them, they're in their 20s. They don't even know what the fuck they're saying half the time. Some of the words that come out of their mouth, they're not the reflection of some of the words. They're not even sounding like they should be. Their mannerisms, their facial dis- expressions when they're delivering some of these lines aren't according to the lines because they don't know what the fuck they're probably even saying.
1: <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I think uh, it's got to be nice. I, th- I think there needs to be some sort of control when it comes to the promos unless you you know if you're good you're good just let them go out there and do their thing but for some of these people we've all seen it you can go back to any time any era there's people that don't need unscripted promos give them some lines and help them out because there's some pretty terrible ones and And do um, do you think
0: vince has an idea No, no, I'm saying like, do you think Vince even has an idea of how people speak? Not just in 2022, but say in 1994, because you hear these stories all the time of Vince watching movies like 20 years after they come out. That was a great movie, you know, or or, uh, the the funny story is always whichever SummerSlam that was with the Highway to Hell, Stone Cold and The Undertaker and whatever. Okay. Vince. the story goes that Vince had had never heard of ACDC until that year. And he heard that song. He heard that song. He's like, oh, this is a great band, pal. And it's like Vince, this is fucking highway. This is ACDC. Like this they have been around fucking this is forever. Seventies. Like yeah, it's like they've been around for. I mean, oh I'm yeah, we got to We got to get that song for the pay per view, pal. You know, it's like Jesus. Where the fuck are we, man? The hell? Yeah, you know, exactly. if he was out of the loop like that in the nineties, imagine right. where he's at now. You know, what's a Bieber
1: with, the, with, the, with half his uh, head scrambled? You know, with all the shit that
0: he has going on. So, yeah. I, if, I, if, I, if 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 Triple H, I you know, that, that recent. Uh, what interview he did. I don't know where it was on. I just read he did what he said. He, yeah, Logan Paul he show where he told Logan Paul, I didn't even know what a Logan Paul fucking was. I didn't know. I, I really didn't know till recently what a Logan Paul was either myself. I don't follow that shit. But <laughs> I don't either. But it's it's like if Triple know. H doesn't follow certain things you can imagine what Vince has, you know, how aloof Vince is to something.
1: Right, yeah, exactly. I, I'm pretty sure Triple H is a little bit more in the loop than what Vince ever. Sure, oh, I know he, he is. is.
0: I'm sure he was. You know, uh, other other than he can't move away from you know his his uh, death metal from like the '70s or something. like Outside of that, I'm sure Triple H knows some of the recent movies, knows some of the recent actors, things like that. So I'm, I'm sure he's a little more up than, than, than to date
1: than Vince. Be, uh, knowing these things now.
0: Oh, absolutely! You always got to have it's people. Good. Yeah, there's always going to be a department that that keeps you fresh, so to speak. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. But at, at the same time, it's just the age gap, and Vince is like pushing eighty. And he's mm-hmm. you know and even people that are pushing eighty, they they know songs from forty years ago. Vince might not. He's just in his own exactly. world. He's just in his own world. So I hope yeah, he is. He I really hope he is. can enjoy whatever's left of his, you know, time here on Earth and I hope we see him again on TV mm-hmm. in some capacity. He come back as a character. I'd love to see like uh remember in the dying days of WCW when Vince Russo was there, bro, and we could see the back of his head when he was like the powers that be at the shit and he made laparca right, right. this this racist shit where he made laparca his statue his mexican skeleton statue wow, and laparca's La Parca's gimmick for several weeks was to just stand in the corner of russo's office with his arms crossed as a statue because it amused vince russo the racist yeah i said it bro i am talking about your character though <laughs> now the powers that be i should say not vince russo so you can't you can't come after See. me
1: so you're saying like George Steinbrenner from Seinfeld, where all you sure. see is the back of his head? and he's Yeah, just going yeah, in on right, the right, yeah, yeah.
0: So <laughs> yeah. that's what that's what we got. Obviously, a big Seinfeld fan, bro, uh, on a pole, and but yeah, so <laughs> we could do that. We could just see Vince. He looks like the crypt keeper. We could just kind of put him in the corner and have him cross his arms, kind of like King Tut or something. Vince McMahon just hanging out. <laughs> and oh my God! Little... Well,
1: according to the reports, they removed his name from everything. Yeah, well. if you notice, too, like I know we talked about Russo here a little bit, but you notice, like everybody has an opinion on things, and then he's like the complete opposite.
0: He's yeah. just
1: trying to, trying and he to and he
0: and he always waits. You ever notice that too? Yeah. He's never the first one to give his opinion. He waits to see what the general consensus is, so that he can go against their grain to get the ratings on his show, bro.
1: Yeah, he's the, he's a carny full of shit, dude.
0: I think this might be the first time I've ever discussed Vince Russo on any of my shows. Even Tom Robinson, we haven't. I don't think we've ever discussed. Vince Russo, so.
1: I will get to him plenty in uh, Monday Warfare, about well, 99, well,
0: I've seen my fill of Vince Russo booking for the summer. <laughs> for those who don't know, my son, uh, last year, my son at the beginning of the summer decided he was going to start binge-watching Raw from the beginning, and he started watching 93 all the way through, I think, around May of 1998, and then back to school, and he didn't watch a single hour of wrestling, Steve, from school starts till school ends. Didn't watch wrestling all year. Even when pay-per-views wow. came on, he left the room. He's, he's lost interest in the current product, and he didn't watch any old-school wrestling for that year, or school year. As soon as the school year ended, he turns it back on, picks it right back up, just like he never stopped watching it, in May of 1998. And, of course, I'm in the room with him, essentially the entire summer. I'm in the same room he's watching the show, right in the living room. So I'm forced to relive everything from May of 1998. I, I'm happy. I can't believe some he power-watched this shit. Every RAW from May of '98 through January of '93, and that includes the Smackdowns okay. from the from from the draft wherever the draft happened in 2002. Every Smackdown and once the brand split happened, so starting in '02, he watched both shows and he watched all the pay per views in between as well. So I saw a lot of shit I remembered, a lot of shit I don't even ever think I re- fucking remember, and a lot of Vince Russo booking, some for the good, some not so good.
1: Well, good thing you didn't have to go through WCW 2000.
0: No, you know that—that's another story from a few years ago. I tried to binge watch Nitro, and I did a, a fantastic job more than I ever did. I started from the beginning '95, and I got all the way into '99 before I really it started really really getting bad. I'm like, man, this is, what the hell happened in the last few months? And I got to say, it got kind of shitty by the time Russo came in. So I see why they wanted to try to change shit up. But man, he talk about killing a company in like three weeks. Jesus.
1: I saw what happens when Vince McMahon
0: isn't your filter. I'll tell you that. Yeah. My
1: God. Kevin Nash wasn't doing too hot either. He'll show you the numbers and say that he was, but it doesn't mean it was good TV.
0: I love that. Kevin Nash unintentionally, he didn't even do this. You know, Kevin Nash likes to be funny and, and be a douchebag and shit, but unintentionally decided to be funny when one week he was so lazy. He didn't want to come to the show and he literally phoned, you know, you know the, the old saying, I phoned it in, means you, you know you half-assed something, you didn't even put any effort into right. it. He literally didn't want to show up to the show, so he, he called from his Marriott, he phoned it in, literally phoned in his promo on an episode of Nitro. And that's why, that's just one of the million things that went wrong with that fucking company, was allowing shit like that to happen. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous.
1: And this is your booker.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and then he like doesn't he get like, get the amnesia and forget who he is. And he thinks he's commissioner Gordon from the fucking 1960s Batman show. And nobody knows what the fuck's going on. Just nonsense. Oh
1: I yeah. don't remember that. You know, more
0: than I do, dude. I just, I remember <laughs> vaguely. I remember. I just,
1: you know, I just stopped flipping channels, you know, after a certain I, point in time, I didn't
0: watch during that period. It was just, it's just collective memory of, of uh, reading results <laughs> online and shit. So those we were are the things that made me stop watching.
1: Raw by ninety nine for a thirteen, fourteen year old boy was where it was at, man. You you wasn't flipping the channel.
0: No, yeah. And Nitro got hindered, <laughs> but it was just the bad booking and the you know, everything else. But we won't get into like wrestling from twenty-some years ago. We're kinda talking modern tonight. No, you have to wonder what this is gonna do. Triple H is in power, Stephanie's back in power, they were both gone, now they're both back kinda in power. Nick Khan's obviously fucking got more power. Well, everybody has more power than Vince now, but Jesus, he's he's top of the heap two now two yeah years. absolutely this guy <laughs> well, knows he what's saying. up he's,
1: he's the reason he's the reason this all happened
0: yeah i know they're saying he leaked this shit i get it but then you gotta uh-huh. wonder you know everybody was like praising the fact that this happened that means kevin dunn's gone overnight and unfortunately he's still there i i don't get it triple h is even building even guys up yeah i know I, I that scared me when i read that i was kind of hoping he puts them over and still fires them you know, it's like the old story of the rockers. The first time they got fired, you know, when they come into the office and Vince looks at their cowboy boots and says, nice boots, you know, they're made for walking. Ha, just kidding. And then he fires them after he says he's just kidding. <laughs> tremendous. So yeah,
1: tremendous. Uh, I I have noticed that the shaking of the camera and all the camera switches seems to not be there as bad. So uh, that's, that's really my biggest issue with Kevin Dunn. I know he's kind of a, a piece of shit person and has whacked views on when it comes to who's good and who's not. But all I cared about was the camera switches and the shakiness of the camera. And that seems to be limited these days.
0: Yeah. And you, you I mean, a lot of people discuss that on Twitter. I've seen a lot of people say that, but I said it myself. I posted that immediately upon the announcement of Vince retiring. And the first thing in my thought was, God, I hope Kevin Dunn's gone. And I said specifically online, as much as I think that there absolutely needs to be a change in creative and a change in, in, in announcing and, and all of that, the number one reason why I just can't watch it is the production of the the video. And people think that's over and over exaggeration, but I've seen hundreds, probably, of posts uh, complaining about that. The the, uh, nonsense, the the rule, the Kevin Dunn rule, that you cannot leave one camera angle on the on the ring for longer than three seconds. That's it's ludicrous. Like, what other fucking programming does that? None. So where did None. he come up That's with this shit?
1: Stupid.
0: Yeah, it's it's fucking uh, insane.
1: It gives you a headache, man. Caesar City. Yeah, you know, it's bad. So
0: hopefully, well, you know, uh, before too long, maybe he's on his way out. Maybe they, you know, they I mean, they're setting something a lot up. Of his stock, you got to remember. Stock, right? You got to remember Triple H. You know, he was building his own regime up in NXT before he left. Before, so he's got you know mm-hmm. some of those guys in place, Jeremy yeah. Borash and things like that. So. It'll be interesting or to see. Be good. Yeah. So yeah, that is. What, it seems like Paul Heyman's got a little more power now. He's uh, involved in some things, and I I saw some Probably kind of so. some kind of name they've given him now. Uh, I was just reading. I think today I was reading. I can't remember what it was, but they gave him like an actual title within the company. Nothing huge, but he has his own title now. So he's a little more than just an on-air personality at this point.
1: Well, you know, that's a good person to lean on. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know,
0: you have to wonder what's going to happen with Bruce Pritchard. He can adapt to anybody because he's more of a yes man than anything. And Vince, and Bruce, as much as he, he's like Vince McMahon, If Vince speaks a different language. A lot of people don't understand what Vince is saying. And Bruce is the one that kind of relays that to people without even asking Vince. I think Bruce just knows what Vince is thinking, and that's why Vince even rehired him. Because it's like, I don't have time right. to talk to all these people, pal. You just go tell them what I'm thinking. And that's kind of what Bruce, (laughs) Bruce's job is not so much to actually be creative, but to be Vince's, you know, uh, really, yeah, absolutely. And so, but Bruce is, you know, I've heard his podcast for years. I haven't so much in the last couple of years, especially since he's been back with the company, it's gotten, but neither here nor there, but he would mention all these times where he had to go to bat for certain wrestlers and ideas that. Vince was against that they wound up actually doing and it was it made sense so I hope that he can kind of adapt and and work within there cuz he you know he has a history within the business going back to the 70s as a teenager even going back to Houston right. so he's got you a know, even, world of knowledge
1: yeah even with him you know maybe with the handcuffs taken off where you're just trying to create Vince's vision you know tell like taking what Vince is telling him to do and going out and doing it
2: so and remember now
1: with that gone. Maybe he can come up with his own stuff. I mean, I'm sure he's really good at what he does. Uh, and, and instead and of I'm, just being a yes man and a Vince guy, but you know, he could be good too.
0: Right. And and remember you gotta go all the way back. Bruce started with the WWF back in eighty seven. Pretty much any vignettes you saw from that point forward were typically produced by Bruce. Yeah, Vince was there sometimes, depending on the character, depending on the day, but Bruce was always there. So from the million dollar man to the Mr. Perfect's to the double J Jeff Jarrett's, to the Razor Ramones, Razor Ramone. yeah, all of those vignettes. Bruce was there. He came up with some of the ideas deep. with these guys. He was also there for the uh, Brian Pillman nine millimeter segment, right? He produced that. So I mean, he's he's been around. He's he's done he some knows things.
1: What he's doing. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely a good person to have on your side when you know. Uh, obviously, Triple H took his role, but so it really just comes down to died. how
0: well he gets along with Triple H and Stephanie, and how much they they think that they can still utilize yeah. him as well. Because you got to remember, the last time when he got canned, that was all you know. Stephanie loathed Bruce Pritchard. she hated him. That's how he got you know got the can.
1: Well, he, she didn't like Paul Heyman either. Now they're buddy buddies. So
0: yeah, I think everybody evolves. I don't know that Paulie ever evolves, but I think you know.
1: No, probably not. But I think now <laughs> I think what they realize is. The more people you have in your war room, the better off you're going to be. This is uncharted waters, and you need as many positive people in there that's done it before helping out. You can't just fire everybody and start over with your own people and say, let's get this thing going. That's too drastic of a change, I think. It it may happen over time. Uh, It could be a year from now, year and a half, where these people like Bruce or Kevin Dunn may get taken out. But right now, I think there's been enough change and turmoil. I think as much as you can stay consistent, the better. Obviously change the way you do things with what you have, but don't fire too many people or let too many people go. That scares all stockholders. So you got to be cognizant of that.
0: Right. a lot of people don't realize like at the end of the day, this is a business This is a billion dollar publicly traded business. You can't just start firing guys all willy nilly. Now as a wrestling fan, I would have loved to have seen Kevin Dunn gone like, Oh, first guy X, Kevin Dunn's gone. I would have loved to have seen that, but, I get. I also understand that Kevin Dunn's been there for forty fucking years, and that's just not going to happen overnight. Now I hope it still happens, and I hope they're kind of prepping. Maybe like, hey, Kevin, I'm giving you six months, so you know, get prepared. Whatever. Who knows what the situation is? But uh, yeah, it's it's very interesting to see where that goes in the future. Um, I watched SummerSlam. Of course, I didn't watch anything leading into SummerSlam, so there were certain things on there that really didn't really pop me like it might have done for the, you know, fans that were keeping up with everything. Do you have any takeaways from that show? Anything that surprised you or you actually are eager to see where it plays into or anything like that?
1: I mean, I was, I was there live. I went to the show and so.
0: Oh, I thought I was, it was talking to Steve. Silly me. I'm talking to Mark.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I enjoy a good show every now and then. It's fun to get away and go do something. And uh, my buddy's down there, Music City Toys and Collectibles. So if you live in Nashville, go there. He has all the toys you could think of.
0: Is he paying me for that commercial time here?
1: Uh, I can pay you. but uh, uh, <laughs> Oh, my gosh. No, he's a good dude. So I, I went down there to hang out with him a little bit and went to the show. I know when I was talking to my brother-in-law and cousin who went with me, and my, I was like, Man, this show's going to disappoint. Because you look at the card, and it is what you mentioned earlier. It's just a bunch of rematches. And it's like we've seen this before. And then I went to the show, and, and, you know, Becky and Bianca, I don't think they topped the WrestleMania match, but they had a hell of a match, and then you got the surprise returns. So the show started off really good. I thought it was fun. They're live. Kind of lost steam after the Pat McAfee match. It kind of went downhill a little bit. Ronda and Liv was boring as hell. Uh, I yeah, like you know, and they
0: said that match got really shaved down, cut for time. It's, isn't that odd that you would cut the Ronda Rousey match? I mean, of all people. I'm not, I'm not complaining Probably because I don't – yeah, i am not I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that that was. It's odd that you have a uh, a name like Ronda Rousey, and that's the match you decide you're going to cut time on, versus some of those other matches. You know, and I and I've heard Brian Alvarez and some other people point out too, like there were like a million video packages in between the matches, and I don't. I'm not talking about like video packages setting up the match, like a feud video pack. I'm talking like commercials and nonsense that you could have easily just removed, and everybody saw their time because I guess. What was the second match? I can't even remember what it was. Something early ran really long, longer than expected. Yes, the Logan Paul match. Yes, it ran longer than it was expected. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't blame Paul for that because he doesn't have his wrestling timing down. Now, the Miz has been around long enough to know how, believe me, you you know how long you're in there once you've done this thing a few times. You know it's been five minutes. You know it's been 10 minutes. I don't know how you know, but your body knows. And you know. And so if they were, you know, what am I, I'm talking like this is a fucking indie. It's fucking WWE. The referee's in the ring with a fucking earpiece. You can tell them to go home. So.
1: Exactly. But. You I, know. I will say though. Um, okay. So on Peacock, if you don't have premium, you get commercials. So I'm wondering if people like Meltzer and Alvarez and those guys who complain about this every premium live event are mm-hmm. getting like the $5 version or if they're paying for the $10 version. Oh,
0: come on, Steve. You because... know, Dave Meltzer has the full version now. Come on, man. <laughs> Let's be real. So. Oh, I know so. These guys are paying. I,
1: I know like like the Lashley commercials that they show and all these videos that they show for um, like Kevin Owens. I know they show Kevin Owens in Charlotte at SummerSlam. Right. Those are the videos that WWE puts on for the people that have the $10 version. Sure. My friend who have the $5 version were getting the, the Sylvester Stallone movie trailer. So I get it. It's a part of the show, but it's also Peacock. It's a Peacock thing. I don't think it's a WWE thing. It's Peacock has to get their commercials in for their non-premium tier. So they're right.
0: And, 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 you know, if you go back to, and it took him a while to evolve to that, Steve, too. You, if you go back and watch yeah. some of the early Peacock premium events, I, I still call them pay-per-views. But if you go back and watch some of the early ones, those commercials would take place, but there would be a promo, like a backstage live promo taking yeah. place if, if you had the, you know, the full version of, of the Peacock. So now instead of subbing out for promos and things like that, it's, it's video packages.
1: Yeah. And so I don't think they at that
0: time well that's you R- know the, uh-huh. yeah and it's live and that's what sucks about it though so either way we're yeah. watching a commercial i yeah, get it's yeah. a wwe commercial but it's still a commercial nonetheless. And, and and you know that's that's bullshit at the end of the day, in my opinion it's eating away at our time whereas when it was on the network wwe network the show just ran until it needed to end and now there's they have these set yeah. pay-per-view fucking times all over again like oh got to be done by this time or what happens Cinderella turns into a fucking, you know, uh, Vince Russo on a right, pole. Right. Like, what Like what the fuck happens? I don't understand.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I just, it sucks either way, like you say. I agree. It's just, uh, that's what it is. It's Peacock getting their money. Uh, really, that's all it is.
0: Yeah, I mean, we might see more of that, too, if this, you know, ever goes up for sale, but.
1: I, I don't think Liv is, she's not very good in the ring to me. So I'm glad they kind of cut her match.
0: I haven't been on that guys, train. No, I haven't been watching be the program. Good. I haven't been watching the programming, so I'm not on that train. I know a lot of people got on that train, that Liv Morgan train. Uh, so, you know, it's like, I can't really judge because I didn't watch the story unfold, but a lot of people bought into that when she she won the money in the bank. Now, cashing in and beating around Rousey, it's completely different thing. Like I'm like, what the fuck was that? Like, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. buy in that no matter what. But her winning it, everybody in the crowd seemed to be, like, really happy for her and shit. And it's like... I don't know the story they told to get there, so I'm gonna be fair, even though I'm not
1: a fan. To be honest, they didn't tell really a story.
0: Okay, I, so it was just a "you deserve it", it, it moment, it. then kind of kind of deal. With kinda, these wrestling, kinda, you
1: know, you know, the internet community lover. her. I, I know she's had. She, I think she. I don't want to misspeak. This a documentary on the Peacock. I haven't watched it um, about her, so I, I think she's had a troubled childhood. I, I don't know. I'm not gonna speculate or misspeak, so we'll, right. we can move past that part, but. I know a lot of the internet fans love her. They think she's great. Um, I think Cornette even came out and kind of, <laughs> he kind of trashed her in the sense that I, I remember, I don't know if you've seen the story about her and Natalya during the house show
0: where yes. she basically, yeah, I saw the video uh, the clip. Yeah. Right. Up.
1: Right. He's like, you know, you watch her wrestling. You can see why Natalya is pissed off. She has to go through this every night helping her. And he even kind of mentioned kind of like what he mentioned about Miz and Logan Paul, how, Logan Paul looks really good, but Miz is taking a beating in there, not necessarily physically, but just helping with the timing and telling him where he needs to be and doing everything because he just doesn't have that yet. Right. And Whiff seems to have that too. She's very sloppy. A lot of her moves, you can see how they miss. I know I know they're not necessarily hitting each other, but you know, people can lay it in and snug it to where it looks like it's happening. She totally whiffs on a lot of her moves. She's sloppy. She's not very fast. I, I just don't see it. I don't see what other people see in her. Maybe she's attractive. Maybe it's her story, but her in ring is not very good and Rhonda's not very good either unless you have her in there with somebody who knows how to work. Uh she's she's fell flat on her face with people that just aren't very talented. If you get her in there, I, I don't I know people don't think Nikki Bell is that great, but I thought her match with her was really good. Charlotte's of the World, Sasha's, those people, Becky. They can really get the best out of Ronda Rousey. These lower card people like Liv and Natalia and them—they're not doing anything for me when it comes to wrestling Ronda Rousey.
0: Yeah, and I'm wondering to how me, long they're, they're gonna just, they're just ride going ride long. this ride this Liv Morgan train. Are we just gonna ride it till the wheels fall off and it's just not gonna work? or Are we gonna give up uh, on well, this pretty soon? You. Because she just beat Ronda Rousey two times in a row, and and Ronda turned heel, and and the logic has been for decades that you can beat a baby face uh, multiple times if he's getting ready to turn heel because he's not going to lose any heat because now he's going heel and it, none of it counted. None of it mattered. Uh, but right. now she's done two jobs in a row to this girl that I'm just not buying it at all. And and neither time has been definitive. First she cashes in, and then this time it's like a tap out as she's pinning her. So it's like I've read online. I think Dave Meltzer might have even said, like, how is Rhonda turning heel? Why, she has a legitimate beef. Like she made her tap out yeah. well, before the three count. Really? So really? she got like ripped off. Count. Yeah. So it's. And
1: I will say, I, they're live. Ronda got a huge pop. I don't know if it's just the music coming on or what the deal is. It wasn't like an extended, loud pop, but she was over. Liv came out and it was dead silent, man. I even looked at the, my. I had a guy sitting next to me. He was talking the whole night. He was a pretty cool guy. Uh, shout out to whoever that dude is if he's listening. Um, but uh, he was very cool. And I was like, man, she got no reaction. Like they just didn't care. And those are the type of things that you listen for or look for when kind of hot shot something to see if it's actually working. And I just don't think it's working. I don't think they wanted to kill her off just yet as far as her title run goes at SummerSlam. So that's why you have the false finish. But I really think it's probably going to go down to the clash at the cast. So I think Ronda's going to get the belt back and maybe somebody comes back for that match afterwards, you know, kind of build the sort of some at extreme roles or the Saudi show. But she didn't have any reaction to me. Like people didn't even jump out of their seat.
0: Yeah, very, very curious to see what they do with a lot of these uh, ladies. Becky Lynch is going to be out now for a little bit with that separated shoulder. I'm sure Charlotte's ready to come back whenever they want her back. And then, of course, we have so, re- reportedly, you know, Naomi and, and Sasha Banks have, uh, everything's been, everybody's, uh, nice, nice again until the next time they, they feed Sasha a, uh, storyline she doesn't like and she quits again but that is what it is and don't boo was, me guys was, i'm a sasha banks fan but it, you can't fucking take your ball and go home every time you get like a fucking you know it's your job you know if they want me to exactly. stock if i work at walmart and usually i stock the chips but they want me to stock the peas today i still work at fucking walmart and i'm gonna do what you fucking. that's my job this isn't fucking real people if they fucking don't want you in a tag team match but they want you to wrestle a high profile person like a ronda rousey and and do the job yeah Yeah, anybody it doesn't matter who the fuck i don't care if it was you know somebody i don't even know the lower natalia yeah i might be fucking upset but i'm not going to tell them well i'm not i'm just going to quit the company then because i'm not wrestling who i want to write like it doesn't work like that and who the fuck are you and again i'm a fan but who the fuck are you like you're not a fucking hulk hogan you're not fucking stone cold look what happened to stone cold he went home and they said fucking go home you know, exactly. you're not, you're not the fucking rock.
1: You got, really quick. got, got fired quicker than Sasha, did.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, like, I know, the only re- and, and, I, and I hate to say yeah, it, but the only, only reason Sasha's back is because of everything that's going on right now with Vince, I think, and they don't need more yeah, bad so. press. And also they're females. So, you know, you got to be right in 2022 and you got to, you know, they say it's equal, but really it's, you know, the, the focus is more on the females than it would be a guy getting fired in this instance or whatever, or quitting there or whatever. Goes. So, you know, and now there's rumors that they're both back. And I, I could I could do without Naomi for the rest of my life. I've never seen what the, she's never, show, oh, she can do, you know, she can do the splits. She can springboard into the ring or whatever the fuck it is she does. First of all, get rid of the fucking glow gimmick, okay? It, it, it hasn't been, it was never over, but it got old fucking years ago. Come up with something new. Oh man, they won't let me do my gimmick. Well, they let you do your gimmick and now you fucking haven't tried to create anything new in fucking years. And you've been here this many fucking years, and if you were a dude, you wouldn't even have a job anymore because you're not good, frankly. I, I've never, I, I've never said, man, that was a really good Naomi match, not once.
1: She's athletic as so, hell. I mean, that's
0: you can be athletic.
1: I, yeah, you know, I know, uh, but you got to be able to work too. And I think she helps a lot, like when it comes to like, World Rumbles and stuff like that. She's one of the few that can actually get over the top rope easily without fumbling and stumbling everywhere
0: but how many Just years do you need that before you you know move on to a younger uh, person that can do more you know it's like we're we're holding somebody else down because she's been here so okay she's been there oh and she's married to the uso that keeps getting the duis so, <laughs> yeah
1: I, I will say too like uh like seeing punk coming out and saying like well look what they did to me and when i quit they came out and said i'm a quitter and all this and then sasha and Naomi do it and they come out and say they disrespected the wwe universe well they need to do the same thing to brock nothing's changed i'm like well first of all sasha and naomi happened on vince's watch so of course nothing's changed brock happened on triple h's watch and they came back that night and did his job like he was supposed to do
0: well here's my thing to do here's my thing with the Brock thing. yeah well it it wasn't gonna happen it wasn't gonna happen with vince either that could have been on vince's watch vince isn't gonna sit there and shit on brock because that's his In his mind, that's his cash cow for whatever reason. But my problem with this is Naomi and and Sasha walked in there. They said, here's the belts. We're fucking leaving. And they let him leave. You know, they were being dickheads. And Brock does it for a, you know, he's like my owner, the owner of the company that I work for just fucking retired. But nobody told me and I'm the, you know, the main draw supposedly or whatever. And nobody even tells me anything. He, you know, whatever. And he is, he's temperamental and he doesn't even need the paycheck. So exactly. he leaves, but you got to remember, they said he left at whatever fucking time that was noon or five or whatever the hell it was. They were on the phone with him the entire time he was gone, begging him to come back, renegotiating shit, calling Vince to Vince to talk to him, calling Heyman or telling Heyman to call him and talk to him. They weren't going to shit on him because they were on the phone with him, telling him to come fucking back. Why would I it shit on fun. you while I'm on the phone with you telling you to come back? And the guy got back there by eight 30. The show started at eight. So I'm thinking exactly. by eight o'clock, they knew he was on his way back. And also, exactly. let's go back. There's Raw's. Again, my son was binge-watching Raw. They make it very clear repeatedly. One of Steve Austin's best friends, not Corey Graves, who may know Sasha and Naomi and was told to say shit, but one of Steve Austin's very best friends in real life, Jim Ross, was right there on the fucking commentary saying the lines, well, he took his ball and he went home. He ain't coming back and you know and he let everybody down. He's all this shit and I heard and I only remember hearing it like once. My son was watching that and they said that shit repeatedly for more than a week. It wasn't just one episode. This, and but that's Stone Steve Cold ball. Steve Austin. Yes. But you know, Behind but
1: the biggest draw in the history of that company.
0: Yes, and CM Punk or Phil, I'll call you Phil here on my show. Phil wants to tell his fucking, you know, story. Uh, it, it is what it is. Like CM Punk, like I always enjoyed his work, but he has just become a bitter.
1: He's too much of a Bret Hart fan. Yeah, He's like Bret Hart's like rubbing into CM Punk or Phil, whatever you want to call him. They're like the same person.
0: I wouldn't go that far. I mean, Bret Hart's believes everything's real. We've talked about that a million times. Well,
1: no, I mean like, but, how but, bitter and negative towards everything that they don't like.
0: Yeah, I, I yeah, I can see that. Identical. But I also don't see Brett doing what Punk does, which is just every chance he gets, making the WWE no. sound like something atrocious, like just fucking It'll evil work. Satan. And whatever he does, whatever he sees as good, that's what's good. And I don't mean like, oh, this wrestler's good. He's not a hyena. I mean like fucking oh, well, this is right because I said it's right. Like CM Punk in recent years specifically, and I saw somebody, and I don't know how they worded this, but man, it was so, so true. I don't know if I saw this on Twitter, and it's been a while, but they said, you know, when Punk left the WWF, when he stood up for himself and he left the company and he didn't want to work Triple H at the pay-per-view at WrestleMania. He wanted to work for the belt and he thought he deserved all this shit. A lot of people supported that and they supported him quitting and all this shit. And I, I remember I was pumped. I mean, I, I hated that he went because he was one of the few people left I enjoyed watching. So that sucked. But the fact that he did it, nobody really ever did that. He did it. And I, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I don't want to see him wrestle fucking Triple H either. So I was cool with that. But like <laughs> as time has went on, you realize that it was self-serving and it wasn't like standing up for what's right. It was just everything that comes out of his mouth. Now it's exposed. Now what we thought he was doing before is complete opposite of what he's actually doing. It's just to me, all self-serving. It yeah. It's just, he, he talks like, you know, woe is me, but it's like, Oh, let's listen to what the millionaire has to say.
1: Yeah. yeah he's, he's something else. I was never really a fan. I didn't really care for him. His matches weren't anything special to me. I, I just don't see the appeal. I am sure he can talk and tell good stories. That's good for him. I just I just was not a fan. Never have been, probably never will be. My friend jokes about it all the time like he's a running joke. Uh he always talks about how great he is as a joke to, towards me to get under my skin, but um uh, uh, there's nothing special there to me. And
0: and there's, uh, endla- there's endless there's endless. Yeah, and there's endless stuff you can go on about Vince McMahon. So Punk has, you know, an endless arsenal of shit to
1: right. talk
0: talk about Vince and guys, I, that's fine, but This is where, you know, the double standard comes in because he's not saying a damn thing about the nonsense that, you know, his current employer, Tony Khan, does on the daily. And that guy, I mean, side-by-side pictures of Tony Khan at press conferences when he looks all coked out and shit. And you you ever see, have you seen the side-by-side picture of Herb Abrams from the UWF at the press conference of Tony Khan, side-by-side at the press conference? They look identical, same hair, same disheveled beard same suit almost like same man, like their face yelling. Like it looks like a coked out Herb Abrams all over again, but it's Tony Khan. Now this guy that makes no fucking sense. And then he waits like five minutes after Vince retires to go. I'm the longest reigning CEO in professional wrestling right now. Well, congratulations. The dude fucking retired. I don't know what else to tell you when you can retire with your own, not your dad's, but your own $3.6 billion. And, and you know, Congratulations. If if you leave yeah. AEW one day and and you profited just for yourself, not the company, three point six billion dollars from the AEW, then congratulations. Until then, just absolutely ridiculous.
1: Yeah, just shut the hell up. Are are other companies in business well long before him? Like MLW? Well, uh,
0: that's been up and down. It's you know there were years where it didn't even exist. But I mean, let's just say they're what TNA is still around. Although I he's been around. But I guess I don't is, know
1: who bought it. Or, I mean they they got sold by what, Sinclair.
0: I don't follow it. I have no idea who the hell owns it, right? It might be owned no, by the dude dude ADO. down the street. I, I don't really yeah. know who owns the you know, so <laughs> I don't know.
1: I just it's so ridiculous and it's so stupid and childish and immature. That guy does he just rubs me the wrong way. And there's so I many guys the, I can't stand the way he talks. There's
0: there's you just have to know the guys like Arn Anderson and, and some of the older guys that are in the back, they've got to hear this shit or see this shit and, and just shake their head like, what the fuck is this petty, petty, childish horse shit from a billionaire owner? But they're not going to say anything to him because he's not going to listen anyway. They don't want to piss him off and lose their contract and lose their paycheck. So I can't blame him because that's the only thing they got left to make money off of. They ain't coming back to WWE, most of them anyway. Sure. And, uh, there's nowhere else to go that's going to pay you where you, you know, you're going to get a paycheck and it's going to clear. So they're not going to go work, you know, down at Walmart or wherever. So
1: it's <laughs> right just is like, Tully's well, out,
0: so. yeah, Tully's gone, you know, and I, I don't know how much of that was Tully. I'm sure Tully was enjoying Tully was uh, the king of sitting there collecting a paycheck in, in AEW. So I don't <laughs> know that that was all <laughs> Tully. It was probably, you know, that we're starting to lose our ass here. So got to start cutting a lot of these guys you know originals are, aren't getting renewed and a lot of them for no, the better no, i really right. wasn't anything that tully did on on camera I, I feel like he could have helped wonders backstage if if you know he took it seriously i just don't know tully blanchard would, would even take it seriously
1: probably not he doesn't give a shit like you no. said just give me my check oh you want me to be done all right. all right thanks for the probably million and a half you just gave me over the last two or three years or whatever it's been
0: Yeah, Yeah, who knows? You know, it's like I just read yesterday. You know, the end of Team Taz. Taz is like, well, that's the end of Team Taz. Like he announced it on social media. That's how they got rid of the you know the group or whatever. Well, Team Taz is over, brother.
1: Well, didn't they do that? Didn't he have him come out and announce that?
0: I don't know. I didn't watch the show, but Uh, from my understanding, the way it was the way it was announced on TV, it was like it could be over or whatever. Then he like went on Twitter. Was like, yeah, Team Taz is done, brother. And it's like. Why, why is it done? Because I, and I wrote, I, I wrote back to Taz and I know, you know, he wasn't going to like it or or retweet it or anything, not just because he got like 8,000 other replies, but also because he's still employed there. So he's not going to agree with what I had to say, but I wrote too bad. Tony Khan's not a few years older. He might've realized what the original team Taz was, you know, cause Tony Khan clearly a mark for what he's a mark for. And that's the guys that he hires and pushes and things of that nature now maybe had even a few years older and attended ECW shows and knew what the original team Taz was about, he'd probably still be pushing team Taz, but because he doesn't really know what the fuck it is. He's like, yeah, that, that, that ship has sailed. Meanwhile, I think there's still a dark order lurking around somewhere.
1: Slowly, but surely that's getting taken out too. All those guys are getting canned or not renewed and slowly, and but surely like
0: that's that. certainly not fast <laughs> slow. Indeed.
1: Yeah. It's unfortunate. Taz is awesome. We love Taz. Team Taz was amazing in ECW. And uh, I even seen a meme where they were trashing the FTW belt. And it was like, I think it was a meme of Hook asking his dad what this belt even meant. And he's like, it's just a belt. And I'm like, there's no way that's what Taz is telling his son about that title. (laughs) And I bet you Hook knows the history or the meaning of that title. Taz was so big in ECW that he didn't even need the belt. He had his own belt. That's how badass Taz was. So it's just unfortunate it seems like and a lot of the stories that are coming out now on tk is just i don't know not very flattering i've I seen somebody talk about how i would much rather get let go by wwe because at least then they pay you for 90 days they give right. you 90 days to set up bookings and figure out what yeah. you're going to do with your future right and you're still getting paid to, to do what you got to do whereas AEW just let your contract run out they don't tell you that they're letting it run out and they just move on without you, without even letting you
0: know. Yeah. Wasn't it Chavo Guerrero that that, like? wasn't it Chavo Guerrero jr. That is who went to go film or maybe he's the choreographer or whatever of the wrestling scenes or something, but he went to go do something with the young rock and got permission to leave (laughs) AEW to go do it. And and when he came back, all of a sudden Tony Khan wasn't taking his calls and just, he stopped booking them. And Chavo like had to go on social media and go, Dude, this, this motherfucker's not even answering my calls. I came back from wherever they're filming it over there, New New Zealand or whatever the hell it was. But it's like I'm back, and I'm you know I'm, I'm trying to call my employer, and he's not answering my calls. He told me my job would be here when I got back, and it, apparently it's not. It's yeah, a, what and kind gets, of billionaire? Like that's not business. Vince, ain't, Vince is a lot of things, but he's not doing. You know, he's not. He might have somebody else handle the call, even, but it's going to be handled.
1: Right, so... Yo, know, at least Johnny Ace is calling people a well, little sorry, pal. We gotta hey, let you go. sorry, Chavo,
0: but you took too long. Yeah. By the way, do you uh, know where Shane is? is I want to suck his dick.
1: <laughs> yeah, getting ghosted by your employer would be shitty. You know, uh, that's pretty shitty.
0: So... Yeah, that's uh, it's really interesting. Uh, You know, and like you said, like these guys are just dropping. Did you just see what Tony Khan posted? Also, I added, this couldn't have sat well with a lot of guys sitting there, maybe looking to get out of their contracts or maybe make a move after their their contract expires. And and it was kind of in reference to like people mocking that you know Cody Rhodes made the jump and look how big he got and everything like this. And Tony Khan, this is within the last week or so, I believe, he said something along the lines of you know. If anybody else thinks they're getting out of, you know, contract too bad, I got these guys locked in for years. It was kind of like a mwah type type deal, like, fuck you yeah. guys. And he's shitting on his own, you know, em- employees. Like, if you guys think you're leaving, you're not leaving, I got you, motherfuckers. It's, yeah. uh, this guy's going to self-destruct.
1: Sounds like it. He's already getting there. Yeah. Uh, I think he said he mentioned Adam Cole. He signed for five years. And Malachi Black, I think, says, I think I got another four years for him. So he, he, was, he was like, I think he's referencing Triple H, all this speculation that there's going to be a lot of guys that. Because those reports came out saying that they would have re signed with WWE if they knew Triple H was going to be in charge or if this happened sooner. And TK's like, yeah, hey, that ain't happening on my watch, buddy. I got these guys locked in. So he's like, it's not going to happen overnight. But and,
0: and the biggest problem is, is the guy's ego, uh, Tony, Tony Khan, mm-hmm. I'm talking about, because he made himself head booker. And hey man, if if I was a billionaire and I owned a wrestling company, that would be my job title too. I would love to be in those creative uh, thing, but I've always been I've been mentally booking for more than 30 years. But now, I'm not saying Tony Khan hasn't been booking since he was a kid, you know, in his mind or whatever, but at the end of the day, you still need, you know, other people uh, and I'm not talking a writing staff or soap opera writers or things like that. But I mean, you still need a couple of minds, you know, old school minds Uh, sitting around and I'm not saying these guys aren't giving him ideas and shit, but I don't want young bucks ideas maybe for them. And they go, Hey, we, we could do this. Okay. Well, we if you think you can do that, we can do that. But I, I, you know, I, this guy has no business. And he's like, I'm the great, you know, Dave Meltzer gives him these fucking awards booker of the year. What the fuck did he do? He took a bunch of talented guys And then slapped those matches together and threw them on TV. There's no long-term storytelling. There's no emotional investment in any of this shit. And that's what wrestling is at the end of the day. It's not how many fucking flips were in a match. And I think that's one of the main issues.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree with you there. I think Triple H even said that uh, in that Logan Paul interview where he's talking about how nobody really cares what happens in the ring. They don't care what happens when the bell rings. It's about the story and how they got there and what story are you going to tell when you're in the ring to get to that that climax that you're looking for, that type of deal. So I agree with him. I mean, you know, it's all about the story and the character and being invested in that. Without that, you have nothing. I mean, who cares if you put Adam Cole and Kenny Omega in a match together? Like, that does nothing for me without a story. I get it. They're two of the best, but you need more than that. Anybody can put two names together on a sheet and say, all right, guys, you're going to wrestle. I mean, who cares? It's building to those life-altering, mesmerizing stories that you you can read. You can run them off the top of your your head. You know, Rock and Austin, Hogan and Warrior. These things are memorable. Savage and Warrior, Hogan and Macho. You know, all these things are memorable for so many reasons. You just say those names and they evoke those memories. You say Adam Cole and Kenny Omega, it's like, okay, (laughs) you know, there's nothing special there. So, it takes a lot to make it work, but TK is only doing just a little bit of it. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of AEW. I think where I liked it initially was because of Cody Rhodes. Once Cody and the vision that they had, I think the Bucks and Kenny Omega and Jericho, the vision they had kind of got wiped away. It kind of took a lot of it.
0: Yeah, and Co- Cody's so openly me. admitted that AEW uh, turned into not what he had in mind when he first you know, got together and then they put yeah. this all together and things. And I'm sure he wanted a more conventional not saying WCW but you know more WCW style of your typical wrestling promotion yes obviously with with newer ideas and things of course but also everything makes sense everything's a storyline everything's a, a this or a that and and AEW's just kind of like throw shit against the wall every week and if it's a good match that's all that matters and it's like I don't I don't give a shit like you just said so sure. But you know, and, and, and Tony Khan is uh, at the end of the day. You know, he comes off as a, a huge mark, not just for himself, but for a lot of the guys, because he's letting some of these guys do whatever the fuck they want, and it doesn't work. Everything John Moxley comes up with is, is, is fucking awful. For as much as I love Dean Ambrose, I fucking hate. I can't believe you know. I never. If you had told me when he left and they filmed that video, like the John Moxley video, like he he ran away from WWE, escaped, you know, the, the prison or whatever you want to call it, and now he's coming to AEW and all this cool shit. Initially, uh, if you had told me, like, oh, he's going to be awful, I'd have been like, fuck you. Like, it was the only thing I, I could even stand. I liked his creativity in the WWE, his promos and things anyway. And, you know, he goes there and he can do whatever the fuck he wants. You got to be able to put your fucking foot down. No, you, we're not going to have fucking mousetrap matches here. That's not fucking happening. Fucking go yeah. in there and wrestle. You fucking wrestle, so go fucking wrestle. I don't want to. I want to fucking fall on barbed wire. Well, there's a time for that. We can do that once a year, but we're not going to do that every fucking month.
1: I'm going to blade every match. Yeah, <laughs> for no reason whatsoever.
0: I, I don't remember what meme I saw yesterday. It was like, oh, John Moxley just locked up. He's already bleeding. You know, or he's <laughs> John Moxley grabbed a headlock. Now he's bleeding, or something like that.
1: <laughs> That's great. That's great. <laughs> it's it, it means nothing. You know, it means absolutely nothing at all.
0: And he's, he's, give it away he or? seems smart enough he's certainly been around enough and been around enough people to know that how to make things mean something so to continuously do this the guy's just he's gonna just do what he wants it. to do he's there for himself i mean and you know as long as you're paying him what you're paying him and using them where you're using them on the card he's fucking gonna keep and letting him do what he's gonna do why would he, why would you do anything different
1: who knows it ain't working you've got the same nine hundred thirty thousand people watching every week they can't get anything else even their big shows that they have, they put names on to make them special. They're not even doing anything.
0: Did so. you see the uh, Did you see the meme of the day today? I, I retweeted it. I don't normally retweet a lot of this stuff, but it, it made me chuckle, so I, I had to uh, retweet it. Uh, somebody, I think it was Matthew from Botchamania, he posted <laughs> a picture, Uh fan in the front row, the big headline match this week on Dynamite. Do you know what it was, Steve?
1: Oh, yeah, I did see this. Christian
0: Christian versus Matt Hardy. And this fan in the front row <laughs> holds up this big ass poster. And I retweeted this so you can go on my, at least my social on Twitter, uh, at wrestling grenade and see this. The guy wrote, uh, I played this match on No Mercy, which was a Nintendo 64 video game, uh, way back in like
1: 2001.
0: Yeah. 2000, 2001, something like that. So over 20 yeah. years ago, this guy wrote, I played this match on No Mercy. And it made me laugh because yeah. I'm sure I played that match many a times on No Mercy. Uh, That's just <laughs> good. Uh, playing into how old these guys are and how many times we've seen this fucking match. Yeah. And uh, I didn't watch the match, but I've I read a lot of people saying that Man Hardy needs to <laughs> call it quits. So
1: got, and, uh, He hasn't been the same since he fell on his head with Sammy Guevara. It just doesn't seem the same. I, I, I can't say I'm watching, but I haven't heard any many positive reviews from anything he's done since then.
0: I don't know that he was any good before that. Remember he masqueraded his wrestling with his gimmick in TNA, which worked for a while there and then Vince, you know, did what he did with it, but it is it is what it is. But so he never didn't really necessarily have to have a bunch of five not that he ever had a lot of five star classics to begin with. Yeah, but, exactly. But um he didn't necessarily did stories, have stories though. Yeah, yeah. Uh you know, with the great right creativity, whatever, but like, you know, when he's sitting there managing guys in, in AEW and whatever the hell he's doing, it's it's whatever.
1: Didn't he do a lot of those things in TNA with um, Borash?
0: Yes, yeah, him and Borash.
1: He needs needs Borash.
0: (laughs) Well, we're down to uh, two topics here I still want to cover. We're going to get to Ric Flair's last match in a minute. I'll save, well, maybe not the best for last, but I'll save, you know, believe on a higher note than this. Uh, The other topic I wanted to do is just address a few of, and I used to do this on the WrestleCopia News Network uh, back in the day, and and since that time I've kind of moved it over to the, the TR Shocks, the world with Tom Robinson show. We talk about a lot of the wrestlers and, and personalities within wrestling that, that recently pass away and more, most recently, and I'm not going to cover everybody this year because I really haven't covered anyone since like March, but a lot of the referees have passed away recently, like all, all mm-hmm. within a row. And, and, I, and I thought that was kind of interesting that so many passed away. Of course, one of the Hebner brothers, Dave Hebner, the, the official backstage, he was actually the original Hebner brother that was in the WWF up until Earl came in and that whole twin referee angle at the beginning of 88. And then eventually Earl takes over as the referee in the ring. And Dave works backstage for essentially, well, until the Hebner's got fired for, you know, for reasons, but, um, yeah, yeah, so it is, it is what it is. Uh, but (laughs) Dave Hebner passes away. Then Tim white. I don't remember what order it went in, but Tim white also passed away. Seemed like within a week or so of each other, these two guys, uh, the, Two main, you know, mainstay referees throughout the 80s and the 90s into the 2000s, uh, long-time referees. And, of course, Tim White also, like, the handler, if you will, of Andre the Giant, kind of helped Andre out, uh, you know, going through those times with the company. And uh, owned that bar up there, whatever, I can't, uh, uh, on uh, the on tap or the tap or whatever, up there in, um, was it Boston? Enroll. or Raw. Something, something yeah, like that. I
1: think so. APS, he destroyed it a couple times. Yeah, well, I'm sure
0: he got compensated for it. I'm sure he did. But it made me go back to thinking about you know those weekly uh, suicide attempts gimmicks. What, did I, what <laughs> the fuck were they even thinking when they did that? Like, what was that? I don't know. But like, who came up with that funny. and who thought that? <laughs> that's funny, that pal. You should, uh, funny. <laughs> you should take a, a shotgun and try to blow your head off, and next week we'll announce you missed. <laughs> that's good shit, pal. Like, what the fuck is that? They're like... <laughs> it's some of
1: them were funny i don't think you can find them on the internet anymore though i think uh wwe's done a good job of getting those removed permanently but uh, uh somebody has them I somewhere think, i'm sure didn't he get didn't he get like try to didn't he get like electrocuted with a toaster or something Put it on i
0: water. don't remember i really don't remember much much of any of <laughs> them know. but
1: oh my god um, they were kind of funny yeah
0: it's you know funny it, it's it's it a shit way to go to like you know dave hebner kind of Moved away after he started, you know, showing signs of injuries and things like that in the late eighties. But Tim White, you know, he had that injury in the Hell in the Cell match and then he came back eventually. I think it was Rotator Cuff. And then he comes back and I don't know if it was the first match back or, or one of the first matches back, re injures himself and he was done forever as far uh, talking about Tim White. Uh, he was done, you know, forever inside the ring, really didn't see much outside of, you know, he'd pop up backstage or in the bar or, you know, those those suicide videos for whatever reason. But other than that, we didn't see a whole lot of Tim White after that. But, you know, when I went and I looked, I was trying to get an idea of who else passed away recently. I totally, I either missed this or I just totally forgot when it happened a few months ago was Mickey J, referee Mickey J, mainly from WCW, but, you know, came over to the WWF, you know, with the, uh, I believe with the WCW purchase and eventually renamed Mickey Henson, which I think was his real name because we had who? Mickey James. And we didn't want to confuse the fans. So Mickey J became Mickey Henson. So he was a referee in WCW and then the referee in the WWE for a while here in the 2000s as well. Really, really nice guy from about everything I ever read about him. So three referees, you know, that I grew up watching quite a bit, all, all gone within you know a matter of weeks or months or whatever the case may be.
1: Yeah, I, I, Tim White, was he always stood out. He was a heavier guy, so it's completely opposite of what Vince McMahon wants out there. But somehow he stuck around
0: but he was good. Just a company, man. You know, I think everybody loved him. They yeah, always said, you know, he's he'd, a good dude. they'd smile when they see him, even if they were in a bad mood. So he was always brought cheer to the, and you need that, you know, backstage, you need those kind of guys, especially if they're doing their job, right? So I think that's one yeah. time Vince let, you know, cause like Kevin Kelly lost his job repeatedly on TV because of weight gain. So, you know, you figure Tim White in the ring, you're ob- you can see Tim White uh, at all times mm-hmm. if he's in the ring. So it's, you know, obviously Vince loved Tim White to keep him around as long as he did in a, in a position like that. For- a lot.
1: I wonder if that has something to do with the way he being Andre's handler and how much he helped Andre. So maybe that had something to do with it. But I, I always enjoyed his work. Which Hepner took the 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 toss. Like that, uh, that was shot,
0: that I was that was Earl. That was Earl because he I think he uh, uh, got injured on that toss actually. So yeah, the I plan was Yeah, well the plan was to for Earl to start refereeing immediately, but then that and I'm sure there was a lot more planned for the the the, the double the twin Hebner story. But they had to stop it. They had to cancel the, the rest of the storyline because Earl got hurt.
1: Hogan damn near because
0: Yeah, Hogan fucking oh, yeah. tried to throw him into the fifth row Lost. instead of throwing him onto Andre and DiBiase and things like that. So, so yeah, okay. it's, it, it would have been interesting to see what they would have done with the, with the twin referees had they been able to use Earl moving forward there. But, nope, it wasn't meant to be. And then once Earl did finally recover, he re- essentially replaced Dave in the ring. And I think even for a while they referred to him as Dave for a while before they kind of slowly morphed him into Earl himself. So he yeah. kind of played his brother when he, when he came back for a little while anyway.
1: Yeah. And then Mickey J he was good too. It's crazy. You can see some of him being a jobber with some of those old I think superstars or wrestling challenges. Yeah. Yeah. That's he's right. Totally
0: bit. forgot about that. Yeah. Mickey J when he's doing the, yeah. doing the squash matches. Yeah. Not pretty yeah, to look at, crazy. but it, it's a good idea that he yeah. saw, saw his real calling was referee. Good call, Mickey J. Mickey J in
1: his singlet. Uh, yeah. A, yeah, like you said, not a good sign.
0: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, and I just want to touch on one more uh, wrestling uh, personality that just recently passed away, a guy by the name of Blackjack Brown, and I didn't know anybody really knew, not a whole lot of people knew who he was because I didn't realize how big of a name, I don't know whether to call him big, but how much of impact he had in the Northeast specifically was he was just an insider. He was kind of like a Dave Meltzer, but to a much, much less – Degree, But, you know, a lot of these uh, New Yorkers and, and guys in the Chicago to New York area give him credit for, you know, getting them on indie shows, getting them out, get their names out there. Uh, Justin Roberts did append uh, him a big uh, letter because he says that it was Blackjack Brown that got his name, you know, got him into the, the the business. So the the guy did a lot more than I ever thought he did. But for me, the reason, you know, his name struck a chord with me was because before I ever saw an observer and before I had a computer, before there was like AOL on the internet, uh, locally. And it's a lot of the big cities, at least up, you know, up here, up North, we had something, a lot of our big newspapers in the big cities had something called a quick line. And what you did was you called a, a local number. And then there was like a zillion four or five digit different pin numbers you could enter and you could hear your horoscope. You could hear the baseball standings for the day. You could hear pretty much uh, where the fucking movies were playing the times and all this other shit. And you had a wrestling, a two minute, like about a two minute wrestling weekly, uh, update of what's going on behind the scenes, kind of like an observer. And that's who, oh, hi, this is Blackjack Brown. And he kind of had a slurring voice at times. I don't know if he was drinking or this is how he talked. But so I just, I just kind of like every time I'd see his name online, it wouldn't be often, but whenever I see it, I go, Oh God, I remember that guy from the nineties. The you know, it wasn't, it wasn't Dave Meltzer that broke the news to me that Hall and Nash were leaving the wwf it was blackjack brown you know it was like holland nash are on the way out they're going to wcw my mouth just dropped and that was the end of the call and i'm like what the fuck you know i'm like With that's that's all of- you're <laughs> giving yeah it's, like, well he said they're going to wcw or whatever i'm just like right.
2: and now i gotta like, like wow like
0: i that's all i get i can't i can't go online in 1990 yeah. i mean you could but you know at that point i think only my cousin had aol so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, you know, I couldn't access it. And you, the news oh, yeah. wasn't out there like it is now. Like yeah. you go, you just Google something and there's 9,000 people reporting it. You'd be lucky, you know, if within a week you got some kind of a, you know, story. Yeah. So I just remember, you know, that's so funny. I saw so I just passed away and all the, all the the Northeastern guys, Taz, Tommy Dreamer, Bubba Ray, and all those guys, uh, apparently, you know, re- knew him really well and things like that. So it's unfortunate, you know, he was kind of like an insider, one of the original insiders before, you know, the internet took off and things. And I, I guess he kind of lost, you know, got lost in the shuffle after that, but it is what it is. And, you know, I just, I saw he passed away and I, I couldn't believe how many people were talking about it online. I was like, he's like the, you know, the unsung hero or the unwritten, you know, or whatever the elephant in the corner that nobody ever addressed because I never even saw his name really pop up and hear all these guys are like, Oh my God, you know, that's unfortunate. So just want to, you know, mention his name on the show and, you know, and say that, you know, and once upon a time when I was a teenager, that it was Blackjack Brown who fed me my little inside scoops for. Couple years there, that's
1: awesome. I, I didn't really have anything like that. I remember we had it for a little bit in our newspaper, where there was actually like on the back page of the sports page. Yes, it was a a wrestling uh, piece. you like sure. had all the wrestling stuff. So I would get the paper right. every day to kind of read up on stuff. This is like I was on the internet, but I didn't, I wasn't really going around looking for wrestling news. Uh, I had a friend that provided me with all that info. So uh, it's just cool. Like that's how that's how hot wrestling was when you get like a full backstage or back page piece of paper, you know, piece of the sports page uh, dedicated to all wrestling. Like that would never happen to the, obviously paper and all that stuff's out for the most part. But you know, it's, it's wild to think that's how crazy it was, but uh, that's cool. I wonder how many of those type of people there are that we have no clue about, you know, maybe there's people that just, the entire northeast they can get people hotels or help with that you know there's probably people like that sapphire was one of those type of people until so they put her on tv so she's always around and doing things i'm sure for guys they're like roadies to a degree yeah yeah you know, you,
0: you know and i, and I, so I used to, and I i used to speak with uh some people that used to do that type of thing in the territories specifically in the mid-south territory i used to speak with uh, a few people that uh you know were down there during the heyday throughout the 70s and 80s and they were kind of like the stop along the way. Let's say, you know, they ran in Lafayette or whatever. Every time they went through Lafayette, they, they stayed at my house. I made them dinner every week on every Tuesday or whatever, you know, the case may be these these, these five wrestlers every week. Like they were, they were basically the wrestlers were mooching off these people, obviously, but you know, in the, in the, I'm sure the fans were remarks and they were loving it. And I'm not, you know, I'm I'm, I'm not trying to say anything derogative or anything negative like that, but there are a lot of people that help these guys out along the way that, you know, it's, Kind of interesting that you don't even think about because if you could save yeah. money by not paying for hotel or dinner, and you're getting fed, you know you're getting fed every Tuesday at the so and so, yeah, yeah,
1: home meal, homemade meal, not garbage fast food,
0: right? They're probably so,
1: feeling good going into the show that night
0: or the next morning. And there were no interstates down there back then, you know. There, there weren't like it's not like McDonald's is on every corner now or whatever. It wouldn't, You weren't just going to run into it. And you're getting out of the arena, you know, what, at 11 or whatever it might be at night. What the hell's open if you even pass something for the next uh, four or five hours? Sure. If there is one, you know. So
2: Yeah. How far away is that? It's
0: interesting to see all these people that help everybody out. You don't even, you don't know about them. There's got to be thousands of them technically from, you know, coast to coast. But yeah, it's kind of interesting. I heard some stories back in the day. (laughs) you know as we conclude the show we conclude uh, it's the finale of our show is also uh, supposedly the finale of uh, Rick Flair it's Rick Flair's last match and i have to go all the way back to the announcement of this cuz i couldn't believe who was promoting it i, I and i should have believed it but i couldn't believe that conrad thompson back in the promoting business again i'm not a promoter but he, uh, you know, still promotes these Starcast events, and a lot of it sounds pretty cool. Like I'd love to stand in front of the old, you know, six oh five, you know, stage or something, take a picture of myself. That'd be cool. I, you know, I'm not knocking shit like that. Or you, you know, you want to give uh, Magnum TA or this guy or that guy over the, you know, course of the last several Starcast, you want to throw him some money to come up there and talk or something like that. That's cool. I'm, I'm down for all that kind of stuff. But promoting this show. Uh, just throwing all these big names, these indie names that I don't even fucking know who they are, but all these indies guys on this show. Every match, you know, I was I went to read results, and every time I refreshed, like three matches were done. So it was like these matches, you know. I think the whole show went like less than three hours, which is fine, but it was like there were ten matches, and like nine of them were done in like two hours. And I'm like, what the fuck? You paid all these guys, so I, I don't I don't really know, but. Because I didn't watch the show, I, I couldn't. I, I mean, I could, but I, I opted not to. However, you know, I, I did manage to see a chunk, a little chunk of the main event, and um, only because, you know, for for posterity, I suppose it's for those who don't know, the original rumors like it's going to be Flair versus Steamboat or Flair versus some old rival, and Steamboat went online and said he didn't do it for such and such reason. Po- uh, Conrad basically called Steamer a liar said that, no, you know the real reason why we're not doing this, and this, that, and the other. I don't really know what the whole story is there, but Steamboat's not on the show. They're whatever, however however many weeks out, they're not announcing an opponent, they're not announcing an opponent, and then all of a sudden they're like a week or two out from the fucking show, and now we finally learn Ric Flair's match is a tag team match. So if I'd bought a ticket up to that point, I'm already feeling ripped off, and then we get guys like Andrade, oh, his son-in-law's in the match, Jay Lethal, who pretended to be Ric Flair... You know, at one point, you know, he's in the match and um, got Jeff Jarrett. That's who they could find. And and it made sense locally because it's Nashville. And it made sense for uh, po- Conrad because Jeff Jarrett's one of his podcasts. So I guess I see why they chose Jeff. And it's not a knock on Jeff Jarrett, but he's he never had some feud with Ric Flair. It was like, it just felt thrown together after all of this, you multimillionaire. You're within weeks of the show, and this is what you could come up with. And this is what we got. We got an in law. We got, you know, Jay Lethal, who was helped training Flair for the match. And we got Jeff Jarrett, who kind of made sense because, you know, he's already business partners.
1: Yeah, it's all in house, convenience type deal. Wonder how much Andrade got paid. If anything, you know, maybe he did a solid for Rick since that's his dad now, um, which is weird to say. Jay Lethal, obviously, was training Rick Flair. Getting get him prepared to come back. Uh, I know that video is out there of them wrestling or running through the, going through the motions on some stuff. Jeff Jarrett doesn't really make sense either, but like you said, he's a part of the podcast network. So it was probably easy to get done compared to what he was trying to do.
0: Yeah. And I've heard so many words used to describe this match and flair. And, and a lot of people are like, Oh, come on, man. It was fun for what it was. And the people live enjoyed no. it. And it, it was, it's whatever. It, first of all, a lot of people, specifically like Brian Alvarez and shit, they just don't want to see it because of Flair, Flair's age, Flair's health. You know, they were worried for Flair. It wasn't any of that for me. It was just this is a fucking cash grab scheme. If if I've ever seen it's just bottom of the barrel carny horse shit from Flair's end, from Conrad's end. I don't give a fuck what you say. I, you know, I'm sorry I made an enemy. There's so many guys out here that are afraid to make enemies with these other podcasters. You guys ignore me as it is. You purposely don't retweet or like the shit that I say. You purposely, after the people that you host shows with, retweet the things I say and respond to me and plug my shit. After you get wind of that, you purposely tell them, don't fucking respond to Ray Russell and the Russell Cobia Podcast Network anymore because... Holy shit, it, it they actually fucking know what they're doing. They're not millionaires like us, but, you know, I, I still don't want them in the running for anything in the future. I, don't, I certainly don't need them being advertised, you know, through, through my guys. So stop retweeting their shit, you know, and, and those names can remain nameless, but you can figure out who they are. But yeah, I want to get back to this. Like, to me, it was just a cash grab scheme uh, from the beginning. I saw it for what it was. Uh, Flair's always wanting to figure out a way to make more money, which is, you know, that's just business, and it is the way it is. And hey, you know, guys got to live, but it's it just feels like one shady, carny, nonsensical thing after another. And hopefully, this is the end for a lot of reasons. Like, I don't need to see that shit again. But of course, you know, Conrad gets worked into the finish, and I am sure he did it in con- typical Conrad fashion, where he's like where he kind of hints at wanting to be involved, but never actually says it. And then it, it, and the, the wrestler thinks it's their idea. Conrad, why don't why don't you get involved? Oh, I couldn't do that. Oh, no, come on, Conrad, man. It's your show. You're great, man. You're making us all this money. Oh, all right, I'll do it. And then, you know, he throws fucking brass knuckles. And <laughs> and, and I, I loved, you know, the early stuff with Bruce uh, and Bruce's podcast. You know, I remember being in a store with my wife the very first Episode. I want to say it was the Dusty Rhodes episode, the polka dots or whatever. Maybe I'm off by a week, but I think that was the first episode. But I remember being in a store school shopping that summer and it was like the first podcast I ever listened to straight through. I put my earbuds in and I listened to it while my wife's walking around for hours buying all the kids clothes for school. And it was like, wow, that was really refreshing. That was fun. Bruce Pritchard's got, you know, got the personality and I enjoyed the show for a long time. Uh, You know, until things became a little more obvious, until maybe egos started to get inflated. And, you know, Mm -hmm. whenever an ego gets inflated, the real person comes out and I'm like, yeah, maybe I'm not digging this guy as much as I thought I was. I kind of see where he's coming from now. uh, He would give Bruce shit whenever Bruce wanted to talk about old territory era. There was a Houston episode, Uh, you know, and remember all the original Bruce Prichard shows. They went like six, seven fucking hours. They didn't need to. But they did. Right. But then we get to the Houston wrestling episode. Bruce is like the only one alive who's able to really tell you know, tell it from the beginning. I mean, you know, he he had all the knowledge of Houston wrestling. He could really tell you stories, you know, for fucking days. I think they got about three hours in. and, And that was two hours after Conrad started doing his fake yawning and shit. Okay. He was already done with the show an hour in. But finally, he's like, all right, Bruce, it's been three hours. We need to wrap this shit up. Now, all of us, you know, it's like, wait a minute, this is what I, you know, like, I'm finally listening to something I want to hear about, instead of 2003 fucking Vengeance, or whatever the fuck. Sorry, guys, I'm losing my voice a little bit, I'm getting back into this shit, but. Vengeance. So now, you know, that offended me. So now he's just trying to have fun with Bruce, and he thinks everybody that listens to him thinks like him, no Conrad, not everybody started watching in 89, stopped watching in 91, and started watching him when Hulk Hogan turned heel. And so in between and in before, wrestling was irrelevant. I'm sorry. It's just not the way it is.
1: Right. Yeah. I never really listened to him, so I can't really speak on it. I do know uh, the StarCast event itself was pretty shitty <laughs> as a whole. <laughs> uh, as a fan experience, if you go online, there's a lot of negativity towards it.
0: I was very um, let down by the Bret Hart interview. That was the only thing I listened to. And well, I was,
1: I'm was i I'm not even talking about those things. Yeah. Um, the, being there, I, I didn't go. I was debating it uh, to, I'm looking at the money and it was like, okay, Bret Hart, an autograph and a picture is like 150 bucks. You got to mm-hmm. pay $80 to get in. Cause me and my wife was going. So uh, there's a mm-hmm. hundred and then parking, I found out was 20. You got to pay $80, $100 just to park your car and get in the building. And then I'm going to drop 150 just to shake Bret Hart's hand and get an autograph. So I was like, yeah, I'm not doing all that. Uh, screw that. Somebody told me that there was like one table set up to do day of payments for like a photo op or an autograph. Mm-hmm. And there's one person where, there's like one or two people working this table and everybody had to go to this table. And I guess when they got up there, they was telling them, "Well, oh, you need to go over here, or go over there, or go over here, just to get, figure out where to even go to buy an autograph." I'm sure it was bare
0: minimum because the less people photo. you pay, the more money you profit. And I mean, that's what this exactly. Was, let's yeah, be I honest, you that, know, yeah. when I when I started reading the names of the Battle Royal, and I, hold your thought because I want you to finish it, but you know, I, I want to get this in too. When I started reading the names in the Battle Royal, I'm like, they're not even paying these people, and I can't say that. You know, like I'm not going to say that they didn't pay Bubba Ray Dudley or whatever the fuck, but. I started reading some of these guys. I'm like, there's no way that they fucking said, I got to get this guy that lives in fucking Ohio. Right. There's no way. There's no fucking way. Now, maybe Conrad said, I'll lock his stuff, or maybe the dude sent Conrad something, and Conrad's like, oh, yeah, that guy's cool. I'll bring him in. But at no point do I think Conrad said, hey, man, I got to have you in this battle royal, and I'm going to pay you X amount of dollars. And I'm not saying these guys didn't get paid. Maybe they did. I don't know. But I just, I have a right. hunch. I have a hunch that at least some of these guys were like, yeah, it'd be cool to work Ric Flair's last match show. And then they just kind of fucking, you know, showed up to work Ric Flair's last match show.
1: Probably how it went. But it's designed. So vendors pay the talent to come in and get autographs and things like that. And they they help out. That way Conrad doesn't have to pay for everybody. And these star cast, and a lot of people are starting to see through it. Like you kind of like how you mentioned. You're starting to weave through and see through the bullshit you know, of what Conrad is all about, but it looks like it's just t- it's set up to where these these shows that you talked about that you're interested in, like the Bret Hart interview, the Ric Flair roast, those sort of things, those are basically set up to make Conrad all the money you pay to come and see that stuff. Vendors, whatever talent, they can get whatever they get based off of photo ops and autographs. But the main deal is you go there for all the shows and stuff. And so it's it's very it's not very uh fan friendly. A lot of fans are dis- were disappointed. It seems like it was a cluster and it was ran like shit. And so uh I'm glad I skipped that. Didn't go, save some money. And they're not the only outfit in town that did shitty. Uh Fitterman Sports, they're like the autograph folks for WWE and they had private they had public signings set up. They had one with Bobby Lashley. It was supposed to be three hours. The dude got there, he paid online, he pre ordered for an autograph, and he got there right at the beginning of hour two, and Lashley was already gone. They said, you got to call us on Tuesday. We'll give you a refund. So uh, <laughs> some shitty experiences, it sounds like, from these people, but I've never been to a StarCast. Uh, I was debating it, and I'll probably never go. It's, it's not my cup of tea.
0: Well, I'll say my- this. I mean, he went balls out because he didn't know what he was getting into, and he has, you know, uh, yeah, he's not a billionaire, but he has he, he, he has quite a bit of money. He can do what he wants to do with it. Let's just let's just be honest. And yeah. the first couple that he did, he had so much shit going on. He had two things going on simultaneously almost the entire weekend. So, mm-hmm. if you wanted to watch Magnum TA and Tully Blanchard talk, you were missing, you know, I'm just making shit up here, but Bret Hart talking about, you know, whatever the fuck. So, you're you're missing out on a lot of shit here. So, mm-hmm. I think he learned from that, but I think it was after the second starcast, maybe the third, where he openly admitted on a show. I don't know what show it was, but he's like he's like, I don't think we're gonna have another starcast for quite a while, and I'm not saying he lost his ass, but clearly he didn't make what he wanted to make out of it, so it's kind of like even he might have broke even or maybe made a little it wasn't you know wasn't millionaire money though, so probably wasn't worth his time or the headaches right. that it would be to run all of this shit, yeah, so no he thing. certainly he certainly slowed things down on this starcast, that's for sure. Um yeah, but yeah you talk about, you talk about Nothing the vendors. And, and people don't realize like, yeah, all these guys are coming in, but they're not coming in on Conrad's dime. they he so, might be giving them a little something on the side too, I don't know, to do these shows, but they're coming in with their you got, vendors.
1: You're a vendor, you gotta pay Conrad to get a table there. He pay you gotta pay a premium just to go to this show and bring your talent in. So you're paying to get in the building and then you're paying the talent to come with you. So it costs more money for the vendors to get in there. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a shit show and of
0: itself. So I, I feel like there wouldn't have been a Starcast Five had it not been for, you know, uh well, obviously they timed it for SummerSlam, you know. He didn't think it could draw on its own. I think it's safe <laughs> to say though, at the end of the day, that uh, Ric Flair's last match, had had Ric Flair not, you know, been part of this and, and done this ordeal, this show wouldn't have happened this whole weekend wouldn't have happened because As, you know, as cool as maybe, you know, to some people, maybe not to me, but as cool as some of the ideas were for the weekend, like the roast, which I hear was just way too long and then not very good.
1: There's a bunch of no-name comedians. I never heard of half the people that they had lined up for him.
0: Yeah, well, that's what I think Jim Ross said something like, uh, you know, you guys need to introduce yourself a little better because we don't know who the fuck you are. Um exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I heard I heard it just went on forever. I know it lasted more well well over two hours. I know I know that, which is just too fucking long for a roast unless you got like the greatest comedians of all time up there, you know, just going at each other. But, you know, Johnny Gargano, okay, you know, a lot of current fans, you know, well let's talk to Johnny Gargano about what's next, you know, get it in NXT what's next for Johnny Gargano. He's not gonna tell you what's next, so I don't know what the nope. fuck, you know, happened there. Bret Hart just sat there and, oh, you know, I got a, a, one, one thing to tell everybody. Uh, if you have any good ideas, don't tell anyone. Save them for yourself because there's a lot of lousy, stinking, stealing hyenas out there. You know, that's that's pretty much the takeaway, the, the uh, hour and 15 Bert. minutes Bret Hart shit that I listened to. And, um, He's
1: bitching pitching about Sean in his ladder match.
0: Yeah, yeah that, was, yeah. that was like the last half hour of the, let's talk about our my match with Davey Boy by talking about my ladder match with Sean and, you know, these thieving, stinking hyenas that steal your ideas. And that oh, should have been my match. So, so one should have been my yeah, ladder match. That's what he age. said. How'd you know? <laughs> I, yeah, I read like, about
1: it. Yeah, yeah. So, I can't listen to the guy talk anymore, man. Like, you know how bad this guy went, Bret Hart? I, I am sorry for. I actually feel sorry for Goldberg. Like, <laughs> that dude came out. I was like, I I, th- I live with that every time he brings it up. He's like, I can only say sorry so many times. Yeah, he wasn't head He didn't mean to hurt you. It was an accident. Yeah, it was
0: just Goldberg, like, dude. People, I mean, fuck.
1: People get hurt all the time. I mean, Jesus, Seth Rollins damn near killed three people. But, you know, <laughs> real injury was real. Like you, you don't want a few. With Seth Rollins going into SummerSlam, he had Steam, he had Finn Balor, and now Riddle all getting hurt leading into SummerSlam. So don't for, don't like,
0: forget John Cena where he broke his nose half off his face too. Yeah,
1: uh, that's true too with the the knee. So yeah, like you just stay away from the guy if you're going into SummerSlam. But
0: shit happens.
1: I'm sorry it ended your career. It sucks. You should be making millions going to Saudi too. My bad. Like with Goldberg, man, he has to live with that, and Brett doesn't shut up about it. So it's like constant in his face you ended my career and he's over there making 25 million dollars and I'm sitting here with nothing and it's like bro get over yourself my god like I love Bret Hart and I'm at the point now where I just dude so bitter and angry at the world yeah he's gonna die over that shit he's gonna <laughs> die over that shit It's gonna eat away at him until he dies it's, it's sad it's pathetic
0: yeah so you, you can go back to that uh, 1987 slam he's to watch Bret Hart do a leapfrog over the anvil and dance and snap his fingers and shit and then it's like somewhere somewhere it's like here we're gonna give you the ww title and he loses his personality and it just gets worse every year from there my god poor guy yeah i couldn't live with myself that way <laughs> and, and it's but like it you said, and you're one of the biggest Hart fans i've ever fucking known in my life but you know it's it just comes a point where you got to separate your fandom from listen to this guy every fucking you know I listened to these promos. My son was watching that whole era, the 97 era, because after he finished 2003, January, 2003, he's like, all right, wrestling, uh, WWE is boring now. I go, yeah, I suppose my, my consensus too. <laughs> so he's, he, he went back and randomly started watching right around the end of 95. And he got to 97. And I, I, I was listening to these Brett promos every week. And a lot of people were like, though that was a really great year and it was a great feud. And it was huge. And it was like, to marvel at the the Canadian fans, you know, and the American the fans, were awesome. that was wow. that was the best part of it. But exactly, you know, some of those promos was just, "Oh, you're a lousy stinking hyena," and all, oh, all, oh, and I'm a technical, <laughs> you know, whatever the fuck. You're a degenerate. You're a degenerate. I you degeneration creative, X.
1: Yeah, no. <laughs> very creative there, Brett. My gosh. No, the crowds make those. They make those shows seem like they're the most amazing thing ever. And if you just like watch it on you. It's like, what the hell is this? This is terrible.
0: Yeah. I mean, so. I've never bought into that 10 man tag. They got like match of the year or whatever the case may be. I mean that crowd, don't get me wrong at that in your house. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean like the match, I'm like looking at some of the names, like how's this going to be a fucking five-star match? I don't get it, Dave, but
1: the crowd. Yeah. The crowd matters. I guess.
0: Unless it's AEW not- and he gives these fucking whatever the hell, whoever this Daniel Garcia guy is a, five-star match the other day. I read the crowd was sitting on their hands when he beat whoever the fuck, Daniel Bryan or whatever the hell this shit was. He gave that five-star? I don't know what he gave. He gave it a lot of stars. I know that much.
1: But he can't give Warrior Macho stars because Warrior was in it by default.
0: Yeah, right. I know, like, right?
1: Like The dude already has like a negative two handicap going into the match. He can't overcome
0: it. WrestleMania three, Hogan and Andre, negative two stars, bro. I mean, you know, I mean... He... <laughs> Uh, okay. If you're if you're Sorry. going off of a pop, I I thought the crowd made some noise there, but I mean, yeah, I guess that you know, that's, uh, that's I guess why, that's a, I guess that's me. why it wasn't negative 8 stars because the crowd was loud, I guess. I
1: guess that's what kills me. Like some of these matches give five stars because of like Cody and Dustin. It was the crowd. It was the emotion that the crowd got out of that match that gave it a five star if you read the review of it. So how can you pick and choose when the crowd matters compared to when it doesn't? Yeah, I like, don't know. And I don't even like know. How many people how many people were crying at the end of WrestleMania 7 with Macho and Warrior? Right. With Liz yeah, and with that Elizabeth, whole story. Yeah. Like, How many yeah. people were crying? Like, the whole front row was crying. So, clearly, they were invested. The crowd loved every minute of that match. It was a huge moment for the crowd. The story was excellent. The match was good. Everything was perfect. And he's like, it's four and a half because basically the Ultimate Warrior was in it.
0: Yeah. The anab- no, not the Ultimate Warrior. The Anabolic Warrior. Come on.
1: Yeah, my bad. He specifically said, if it's anybody but the ultimate warrior, the anabolic warrior, this would have been five stars. Right. That makes no sense.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you're preaching to the choir. (laughs) And I don't know how we got here from Ric Flair's last match, but but yeah, for those who don't know, Conrad Thompson got himself involved in the finish. He simply threw brass knuckles to Andrade or whatever to hand to Ric Flair, who I read uh, whiffed, neither here nor there, whatever. And Ric Flair gets the big cheap win, you know, the dirtiest player in the game, whatever the case may be. I also read, like, during the figure four spot that Flair couldn't even, like, pick himself up, up off the mat. And there was, like, no. a scary point where he couldn't even get up. and He told Andrade he had passed out or he thought he was passing out or something like that. So
1: was nuts, right? he was laying there dead. He looked dead, honestly.
0: I mean, it is what it is. It's over with. I hope it stays over with. But let's be honest. If somebody said, Hey, Rick, I'll give you a million dollars, he's going to. Fucking come out of retirement yeah. tomorrow. It's Rick. But it's Rick Flair. Did you,
1: did you buy this? You got offered like what was it, seven hundred fifty thousand to do five more matches or something? Did you see that?
0: No, I didn't. I didn't that out there. No, I didn't see you that. Made a
1: comment. I can't. I can't remember the figure. It was, it was up there. So yeah, somebody offered me like five hundred or seven hundred fifty thousand if I did five more matches, and he told him no. This was it. Um,
0: now do you find I, that to be true or is that a way to get somebody to go well I'll ask a million then you know is, is that just Ric Flair being more carny uh, Ric it's, Flair
1: it's to me like I don't buy it at all like if somebody did offer that and then they watched that match they they withdrew that offer because uh, there's no way Yeah, that, um, that,
0: that dude's done but I I don't know
1: the ending was horrible like you mentioned he got I don't know why he was on the ground but he was knocked out they, I'm assuming Conrad was supposed to toss in the Knucks But Andrade had to go over and pick him up off the mat because he wasn't moving. He got him up on the middle rope, and he was kind of holding himself up. Andrade got the nuts, gave him to Rick. Rick did the punch. took him about 30, 40 seconds to turn on the the figure four, and then he just laid there. So it was almost like a double pin. He didn't even get his shoulder up to do the pin on Jared. So they, they were kind of like pinning each other. And... Andrade had to pick him up to celebrate. Like, the confetti was falling, and he was just laying there. So it was, it <laughs> what was a very... Sight. Uh,
0: there's, there's your right. Ric Flair's last match. That's the way you wanted to go out, I'm sure. And that purple shirt.
1: <laughs> yeah. Somebody told me, it was like, you go and I'm like, nah. i seen <laughs> Ric Flair's actual last match. I, I was at WrestleMania 24, so that, to me, will always be his last match. Yeah, I that mean, for all intents and purposes. Match. That was the perfect send off for a lot of people's greatest of all time.
0: That's the end of the story. If you're, if you're writing a book or if you're ever, you know, making a a video of, of his, you know, whatever shit, unless you're going to tell how horrible the shit he did afterwards was, I mean, that's where you're going (laughs) to end. You're going to go and there it was, that was the end. Yeah. He had a few uh, scrimmage games afterwards, but you know, those didn't really count.
1: Yeah. It's like Jordan, you know, jumper to win the finals against Utah. That that's the end of Jordan's career right there. The perfect ending. And then he came back and ruined it, kind of like Flair. You know, you get the perfect send-off at WrestleMania with your best friend at the time, and uh, you ruin it.
0: Yeah. Well, what can like you say? Just, I just, I just hope it's finally over. That's all I can say. That's all. Me all too. Can, so, well, Speaking guys, of, I, yeah,
1: uh, crazy. Like also, like the vi- the opening video thing.
0: Oh, with David Crockett or Bob Coddle, it.
1: No, no. Well, that was awesome. But I'm talking the WWE thing that oh, okay. Vince putting back in. Like he's like. You you restored my legacy or whatever, like yeah it like because it says woo never happened. Yeah.
0: Well, he got that in that
1: opening video and I'm yeah. I'm like,
0: what the what the dude, you're Rick Flair. Yeah, it's that that blew my mind. Like that's that's the only thing he's worried about. Like who's who's even paying attention to that? Other than like the first time you see it and you're like, Oh, that was kinda cool. I heard this guy, I heard that yeah, guy after yeah. that. When have you ever fucking pay attention to it again? Like I'm not Always waiting for this. St- like-, like this isn't 1996. I'm not waiting for the fucking WWF tornado to come up and tell me over 50 years <laughs> revolutionary fucking. St- right. I- I'm not paying attention to that shit after a week or two. So,
1: it's- exactly. And, and this is this is, this is the greatest moment of my career. Like really, is it that deep? Like even if you feel that way, keep that to yourself.
0: Yeah, dude, that's crazy. <laughs> fucking weird.
1: That, that, they are weird. They're, they're him and Brett both. I don't know which one's worse.
0: And it's so weird seeing some of the guys that were at the weekend festivities because these are the people that flair has been most vocal shitting on over the years like brett and mick foley and they're, and they're there and shit so it's kind of like and i know that he's made amends with like foley over the years and stuff but these guys still aren't like his best friends uh let's let's just you know be honest or really
1: the only one that probably does have a good rapport with them would be taker or maybe ddp who was right behind taker let's <laughs> see that meme
0: no i mean i know She's taker never- was there
1: <laughs> It was like 20 years later, and DDP still talk, stalking The Undertaker's wife. Oh, okay. Because he was gotcha. sitting right behind Michelle. Michelle McCool, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. thought that one was pretty funny. Yeah, so, that's cool. Uh,
0: yeah, I didn't see that one.
1: I know he's trying to get Hogan in the building, but Hogan ain't leaving Florida. Not what? without
0: a paycheck. How much you pay me, brother? Oh, no. Not...
1: That's... Exactly.
0: Dude that's can barely
1: so... walk anyway. But, yeah. Uh...
0: Well, guys, Mm -hmm. we touched on quite a bit of stuff here. Hopefully you guys understand my situation that, you know, uh, led to uh, a lot of the shows going on hiatus. But rest assured, uh, new episodes right around the corner this month, August 2022, new episodes guaranteed of the grenade of Monday Warfare. New stuff on Patreon coming up very shortly as well. So to all my patrons out there, again, thank you for continuing to subscribe. Um, You know, there hasn't been a lot of content. I don't think I put a lot of content out there in June. I apologize for that. July, I'll openly admit right here on the show, I wasn't able to get anything new up, you know, and that killed me. I felt awful. I tried to think of ways. Was there anything I can do uh, that I could just throw up quickly that would, you know, be satisfactory to my patrons? And I really couldn't come up with anything. And so anybody that, you know, was there for July, I'm sorry, but I will make it up to you. I'll give you double the content here over the next two, three months to make up for the downtime in most of June and all of July. Um, you know, I, and I lost a couple of patrons over that time and I, I get it guys. I get it. Hopefully I get you back. If I don't, you know, my bad, you know, unfortunately real life hit. And like I said, this isn't paying the bills. So I, I didn't feel obligated to make this, you know, as important as my, my family. Hopefully that changes over time. This does pay the bills. And then, you know, I, it's, you got to go to work every day, whether you like it or not. But But as the situation is right now, you know, I had to dedicate everything to the family and here we are. And, uh, but here we are back on the air and I, uh, certainly had a enjoyable time here speaking with you, Steve, for the last two, almost two and a half hours.
1: Yeah. I've been excited to get back on here and shoot the shit with you. This was a good episode. I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. So see guys, I don't just talk about old stuff for those who don't listen to my shows with Tom Robinson and things I do. I don't keep up with everything going on in today's world, but I do have opinions and they're, they're pretty strong ones at times about certain people, uh, as you might've, might've heard throughout the show. Yeah. Uh, Usually I save this again for the TR shows. Tom really lays into people and then I kind of, you know, throw in my two cents as well. But yeah, a little bit of a different person when I, when it comes to giving my opinion about shit today versus back in the day when I enjoyed everything. But yeah, so Vince is retired, you know, Ric Flair is retired and uh, I wish Tony Khan would retire. And that's, that's (laughs) where we are here this week, but uh, be back again very soon here uh, specifically on the grenade with an ask us anything episode for those listening for Monday warfare. We'll be back soon. I believe we're right in the early part of June. I do believe we finished with Scott Hall being confronted with Sting, which would be the second week of of Scott Hall in WCW, which means the next episode of Nitro will feature the Big Bang, Kevin Nash, coming into WCW. So we're right in the heat of things. We're just about ready for the NWO. So things are really picking up over there in WCW. Over in the WWF, well, I'm not going to bullshit you guys. We're heading to the summer, and terrible. Austin 316 will be born anyway, if if nothing else. But, uh, yeah, other than yeah. that, you're right. Pretty much, yeah, terrible. Warrior Man here. We do have that. Warrior Man here.
1: <laughs> not for long. <laughs> <laughs> that's,
0: that's where we we're at uh, over yeah, on Monday Warfare.
1: We have Goldust versus Warrior, unfortunately.
0: And Whew. for the, those Tom Robinson fans out there, the TR fans, I have talked to Tom some. Um you know he had, he had a lot of stuff going on earlier in the year with his eye it was keeping him out of work so he was you know having some financial issues where he couldn't really focus on and recording shows but he's also had eye issues where he really couldn't see for quite a while there uh I'm happy to report last I talked to Tom anyways uh, you know his eyes are a okay now and he's he's been back to work for quite a while and everything's doing going really well for Tom and um he said you know he made a a vow that when he returns he wants to be on a consistent basis which I fully support. Uh, I'd love to have him on board. Like I said, he wants to do the ask us anything episode and I'm sure he'll be back for some of these other shows as well here very shortly. Uh, but yeah, in the meantime, Monday warfare right around the corner, wrestling memory grenade continues on and ask us anything episode followed by February, 1987, the WWF, lots of fun stuff coming up there. So, Stay tuned, guys, and for those who have missed it, go back, or those who don't really remember the shows, go back and listen to maybe the beginning of 1987, the WWF, or the January shows that I have already done and put out in recent weeks. But until next time, you know, uh, once again, uh, Steve, I appreciate you being here uh, for this episode of all the WrestleCopia Podcast Network.
1: Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, man, it was uh, fun to talk about. It. You know, it's uh, more than I typically talk. Usually I only talk to my brother about whatever's going on right now, just kind of filling him in if he's not, you know, he's not reading something online or something or he misses a show or whatever, uh, we'll, or we'll talk about our thoughts about, you know, random things. But other than that, I don't really talk a whole lot about, you know, the current product. I, I try not to. But uh, every once in a while, it's all right to get everything off my chest. And I, that's what I feel like I did here today. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you saw the different side of uh of the show and and enjoyed yourselves and steve once again thank you for being here guys and we'll be back very soon with new wrestling memory grenades new monday warfares the battles within and so much more here on the wrestlecopia podcast network so for steven extat this is ray russell once again saying thank you guys and we'll see you real soon